0: I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! Who said that you would destroy this sin, not join them. Bring balance to the force, not leave it in dark.
1: Everybody, Welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we celebrate the, what is it now, seven-year history of the Emmy Award-winning animated series Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. We've got a very special episode for you this week. A little bit different, a little bit different from what we usually do. We're changing up the format, partially because we are out of Clone Wars content. We've We've run the... We've run through it all from the movie, even before the movie, if you're going chronologically from what the first, the very first episode, chronologically, what's that cat and mouse from cat and mouse all the way to dark disciple. We've covered it all. So what's next? What's next? Well, we'll let you know in just a second, but first introductions are in order. My name is Dominic and joining me as he always does is my good friend and co-host, the award winning Kieran Duggan.
0: Hello, Dominic and listeners. I am very much looking forward to this special episode of the Clone Wars Strikes Back. And it is special because this is a very unique version of looking back at the Clone Wars because obviously we're still looking at the Clone Wars perspective to the film that we will be watching in this podcast and hopefully shine some new light on certain elements of this particular movie um, I'm very much looking forward to it but before we continue how are you Dominic how is how are things going in your life
1: uh, things are going good i'm I'm busy with the end of uh, the end of term here at, at university I've got a I've got a, a, a final essay I need to finish as soon as uh, as soon as we're done recording this uh, but you know, we're getting into the exam period, so things are wrapping up. Uh, but th- how are things with you? How are things going on, on your end?
0: Very well, thank you, Dominic. I've recently come back from my expedition to Wales, where I, I went to Cardiff, the capital city of Wales, to a student radio conference. And I was there for three days in this past week, from Wednesday to Friday. Um, at the time of recording of this podcast, it's actually just Sunday um, of the week at the end of the weekend, and yeah, it's been fantastic. Got to see some big radio names. Got to learn a lot about radio careers and how to get involved in radio. How the, what the best thing to do is. So I I've had a very good couple of days, and I'm now looking forward to having a bit of a break. Although I have got <laughs> to be up at eight a.m. tomorrow um, because I'm uh, looking to get some tickets for uh, the big bbc radio one big weekend which is taking place at exeter this year cool um, and for those of you who don't know it's, it's kind of an annual music event where radio one hires uh a venue from a particular city in the uk and you have bands we've got coldplay ellie golding big big names will be played at this festival um so i've got to be up early to try and get a ticket so that's why I, I'm going to be up at eight AM, and I imagine you might be up early or maybe later. Depends yeah. on how. how, how <laughs>
1: depends how long on your you point of view night
0: in terms of your workload. <laughs>
1: yeah, at, uh, many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. But yeah, let's let's get into let's get into the things here. What we're what we're here to talk about. What we're doing this week is different. We are going to be talking about Revenge of the Sith. It it only makes sense that, you know, the Clone Wars is over as a series. So let's talk about how the Clone Wars, the galactic event, ended. Uh, but we're going to do a a film commentary. So we're going to be talking over the movie while we watch it. So obviously we're going to queue things up for, it, for you if you want to uh, watch along with us. But you know we we're also going to be talking about it uh, in a way that if you're if you're not watching along hopefully you'll still be able to enjoy it as well. So well, let's just get into it. So hopefully you all have your uh, legally purchased Blu-rays, DVDs, digital downloads of Revenge of the Sith. All right, so what we're going to do here is instead of just hitting play because the way Blu-rays work sometimes they there's lag, and so not everybody starts at the same time. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to have everybody go to chapters. So you look for the search button on your Blu-ray. You go to chapters on the DVD. Uh, I think if you've got a, if you got the digital download, I don't think it really matters. You just just hit play. Um, but you want to go to chapter one, opening logos. Select that, and then immediately press pause so that your counter is at zero 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 or zero zero one. And then when we count it down in just a moment, you'll hit play. So you may want to pause the podcast right now while you do that if you haven't got it queued up already. So if you need to take a moment and pause, do so now because we're going to be counting it down in just a second. All right, I hope everybody is ready. Let's do this. In a countdown, 3, 2, 1, go. And on go, you hit play. All right? Sounds good? yet.
0: When that was practice, that was, practice. That, that was, was practice. that was practice. Don't press yeah. Play here. <laughs> yeah,
1: if you hit play, then hit pause, go back to the beginning of the chapter and, and wait for the real countdown, which is going to happen now. So, three, two, one, play. All right, the 20th Century Fox logo. Ah, oh, ah. Oh, this is how things used to be. Well, since before before since we've got the 20th Century Fox logo, let's talk about something completely unrelated to <laughs> Episode Three or uh, the Clone Wars, and that's The Force Awakens. What did you think of Force Awakens? You know, obviously it wasn't going to have the 20th Century Fox logo, but going just right to the Lucasfilm logo without any music or fanfare or anything like that.
0: I I think it worked well surprisingly. Initially, it was a little bit of a shock to the system because you were there and I was just like, "Oh, the the movie started, is yeah. it?" You didn't really know because it was just silence. Yeah. But it really helped build up the anticipation. So I think it worked really well personally. Mm-hmm. Um, were you one of those same people, Dominic, or did you miss the twentieth century fanfare?
1: I, I no, I, I thought it worked pretty well too. I it was it was definitely a shock, right? Because you know, you're going through all the trailers, you've you've seen the trailer for Civil War and and all the stuff that, that would, would you get to see the trailers for, and then you're expecting like some kind of, you know, twentieth century Fox type fanfare or or something or, or the the Lucasfilm fanfare that was included on the digital releases or or anything like that. And instead it's just like it's it's dead quiet and it just goes to the lucasfilm logo and then right to a long time ago in a galaxy far far away so there is that like feeling of like rushed like you're you're feeling a bit rushed to the to the movie when you go right to the lucasfilm logo but by the time by the time a long time ago in a galaxy far far away is is popped up uh then it's uh then then um, then you're used to it again then it's okay yeah we're we're in star wars territory and with that movie it was just so uh Uh, you know so mind-blowing just to be able to see that because you know for so long we never ever assumed that we would get to see that on the big screen again and and for me you know a nice little transition here you know force awakens and revenge of the sith are 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 very similar are are, you know kind of they they remind my experiences of of seeing them are are kind of similar because you know with uh, revenge of the sith was the first star wars movie i saw in the theater and I you know I thought at the time this was going to be my only chance to see a Star Wars movie in the theater and so I, I wanted to cherish that you know 20th Century Fox uh, fanfare the the a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and the crawl but what I actually remember from any of it and I you know is actually I went with uh, because I was how old was I when this movie came out I was about eleven and so I went with my. Um, my mother and my brother, and my brother is was is younger than me, and so my mom was reading him the Crawler <laughs> as it was going going by, and he was getting all mad at her because he wanted to read it by himself. He didn't need any help from mom.
0: <laughs> to be fair, we'd all be like that, yeah, yeah, at when that type of age, just yeah, to when eight, yeah, when you're watch the movie, when you eight, just want to read the opening crawl as we have just done mm-hmm. at that point, um, okay. literally about a minute ago, because we're now embroiled in the in the battle of Coruscant with this great shot. I don't you just love the opening shot of Avengers oh Sith so The Sith Dominic with the Jedi Knight cruisers and and just you kind of it seems quite tranquil, peaceful at the start and then you realize you're oh. embroiled in this massive war above Coruscant.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it would have been I I'm, I'm really curious how the series would have handled this. Like how would they have have dealt with this because we heard on rebels a few weeks ago, you know, Ahsoka said the last time she saw Anakin, he was racing off to save the chancellor. And in the, in light of the finale, there have been uh, the rebel season two finale, which was just a couple of days ago as the time, as of, uh, as of the time of recording, um, you know, Dave Filoni talked about what that finale would have been and it would have involved Ahsoka and Maul and Mandalore and so it it almost sounds to me like you know Clone Wars did those four part arcs it almost sounds to me like maybe Anakin would have been called away in like the second or third uh, episode and then the finale you know would have been Ahsoka and and Maul and and Rex and people like that you know maybe hearing about what happened on Coruscant and then you know ending with uh, you know execute order 66 and and all that fun stuff
0: yeah i mean the the opening menu of of this disc on the blu-ray and on the recently released dvd the score that they chose for that was the anakin betrayal score which is obviously Mm -hmm. the soundtrack heard during the execute order 66 being um of the scene and i actually think it's probably the soundtrack which does epitomize this film Mm -hmm. because for me that score associates or generates feelings within me of tragedy and it's an emotionally uh it's a poignant moment in the star wars saga this Mm -hmm. whole film because it's just so tragic and um, it's almost as reflective as the season finale of Rebels with that end montage when they play a soundtrack which is supposed to pull at the emotional heartstrings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, again, to have those feelings of tragic tragedy and loss, that's exactly what, like, for me, that Anakin's Betrayal score underpins this film more than Battle of the Heroes does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. In, on a grander scale, so... Um, yeah it it's uh, really hey, what hey, the hey. it's
1: what the movie is all about you know the movie is yeah. about Anakin's Anakin's fall to the dark side you know episode one you know you think about the scores that you associate with uh each movie episode one it's duel of the fates it's this big reemergence of this classic or this this ancient war between these two cultures between these two. Religions, for lack of a better term, and, and so you have this big, grand, epic score that that gets revisited a few more times in the, the subsequent movies, but never to the same extent that it is in in the fan, Phantom Menace. And then in Attack of the Clones, it's the love story, and so you have uh, across the stars, and it's it's this you know it's it's a love story. But you know, if you listen to the music, and if you've heard uh, Star Wars Oxygen with with David Collins, that, that's a, a great podcast, and I really recommend the episode where he breaks down across the stars it's so uh it, you know he does such an amazing job of of conveying how impactful and how uh representative of the entire saga that piece is but you know it, it just keeping that in mind you know it's a episode two it's it's the love the love theme and then episode three you know battle of the heroes was the one that was used to promote the movie the same way duel of the fates and uh uh, and uh, uh, across the stars were for the other prequel movies but that's sort of the action fun element to it i mean there's a, certainly a tragic aspect to it but it, it is sort of more that action dun, 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 dun. you know it's it's really fun uh, it has kind of a fun feeling to it um whereas anakin's betrayal is really that like here we are we are dealing with the worst things have ever gotten, you know the sith are returning, our hero who was supposed to bring balance to the force is is turning to the dark side and and so it really conveys that and then you know even that you continue that into uh into the uh the the the, the original trilogy you know and then in the in a new hope with uh uh, this, well, just the Star Wars theme or Luke's theme. You know, Luke's theme is basically the Star Wars theme. And it's sort of this heroic reemergence of, of uh, you know, good times are coming back. And then Empire Strikes Back, the Imperial March. I mean, we all know what that means. <laughs> you know, it's, it's the Empire striking back. And then Return yeah. of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is kind of interesting. You know, it's kind of like, uh, I, I would sort of think maybe the Luke and Leia theme is, is the one that stands out the most. As sort of like uh, you know, these are you know these are Anakin's children, and they are going to save the galaxy. Basically, I, I sort of think about that, and then Force Awakens' raised theme, for obvious reasons.
0: Absolutely, and to come back to the movie now. We're on yeah, the scene absolutely. here where um, obviously Obi Wan and Anakin have landing on uh, Grievous's flagship, and I love how this scene, when you look back at Clone Wars, is so reminiscent oh, yeah. of so many different storylines in the Clone Wars where Anakin and Obi-Wan go on their own mission. I mean, the latest one, of course, was the Utapau arc where mm-hmm. Anakin and Obi-Wan, on their own, went to Utapau to resolve the crisis going on there. And um, and it was great because you had the friendly banter, you had them both working together, but you know the rapport was clearly there for, for everyone to see. And it's here now, isn't it? This is the good old times, isn't it, Dominic? Yes. Obi-Wan and Anakin at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And and like this open this opening sequence with the the space battle and General Grievous and the Chancellor's been kidnapped and the Dooku duel, all of that like it it really does feel like an extension of the Clone Wars. Like like yeah, yeah, you know, you know, which is weird because the the movie came first, but you know Dave Filoni and his crew did such a good job at 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 capturing the same spirit uh and and you know at, at times people felt the clone wars was was very different from from this and that you know Anakin uh, you know people like to say well Anakin didn't his character didn't develop all that much between episodes 2 and 3 and until we saw the clone wars and then the clone wars was taking him in such a, a radically different direction you know i, I personally think that you know, the way the Clone Wars was structured and with Ahsoka leaving at the end of season five, we were going to kind of get back to the, uh, uh, we were going to sort of see Anakin. He had all this character development, but then he was going to kind of regress because he was feeling all of this distrust and this anger and this angst towards the Jedi Council and towards Obi-Wan over what happened to Ahsoka and, and all of the other um you know ways that he he thinks they've wronged him and and sort of and that was the the big tragedy of the series is that you know they they put Anakin in the situation where he was on a better path with Ahsoka, but it was the Jedi the Jedi's you know misguided ways that ultimately sent him back onto uh, an, an even worse path, arguably.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of sequences that will occur later in this movie which just cement this. Distrust between Anakin and the Jedi, and once you've watched the Clone Wars, I think it's a lot more tangibly conveyed or it, it makes a lot more sense than when you just watched a movie. Because I feel a lot of people's perspective of Anakin in this movie is at the beginning here you know, this whole lift scene you've got Obi Wan and Anakin having the, the fun banter side. And it's quite a comedic scene, although it's in a serious situation. And then all of a sudden, stroppy Anakin comes back. Well, it's not that. He's been through a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, as we come now to the massive scene, I mean, I-, I love this opening sequence here with Palpatine, Anakin, Dooku and Obi-Wan. But do you think this was kind of a, 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 a going to look at it, Star Wars saga, the films within the saga? Uh, was this a, a, a different opening to what you were used to? I.e., having a lightsaber duel at the start, and how 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 did you find that?
1: Yeah, well, I, I remember just as a kid, Revenge of the Sith was my favorite movie because because there were so many lightsaber battles. Because I love lightsaber battles; that's one of my favorite things. And and you know, I, generally, the lightsaber battles in Revenge of the Sith are some of the most emotionally charged. Uh, they're they're pretty powerful. They're impactful. You know, people. Uh, you know people when you talk about lightsaber battles you know people always say you know the prequels had, had you know they, for whatever flaws they had really good lightsaber battles and then some people will point out you know maybe the fact that you know the lightsaber battles were so good but there was no sort of emotional um connection all the time you know that's that's a criticism you hear as well that people say you know they're they're big, they're big and flashy and spectacle but they're not uh they don't carry the same weight as say Luke and Vader in return of the Jedi I, I I can sort of see that with some of the the, the stuff in Attack of the Clones and um and end in the Phantom Menace duel uh, before Qui Gon is killed. I think once Qui Gon mm-hmm. is killed, that's the best part of the duel because there is that emotional intensity on the part of Obi Wan that wasn't that wasn't there when they were just kind of fighting Darth Maul and he was just kind of the he was the bad guy and he looked like the devil and that and that sort of thing. But with with this fight, um, especially once Obi Wan gets taken out of it. It 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 takes Again. on a, yeah <laughs> it takes on a new uh, dimension and and having Palpatine there kind of cheering Anakin on and, and pushing him in the right direction and and one thing I, I'm kind of curious about is you know how how in on the plan is Dooku here you know because he he does kind of it is Dooku that kind of seals his own fate when he taunts Anakin and we haven't gotten to that part yet but when when they have that big lock. That saber lock in there. He's saying you have fear, you have anger, you don't use them. And he he mm. he is kind of the one that inc- encourages Anakin to tap into the dark side, and it and it is when Anakin taps into the dark side that he beats him. And and then there's that great scene where he's about to behead him, and Palpatine is encouraging him to do so, and Dooku just gives him this look. And, and Christopher Lee, I mean, you know, he I think he did one day on Revenge of the Sith, uh, and the rest was his stunt double. But it, you know, like. You know, just in that one moment, it was totally worth it having him there. And you know, this is the scene I was talking about, right? Where he's saying, "I sense great fear." And you young Skywalker, you have hate, you have anger, and and this almost seals Duku's fate. And so I wonder, you know, maybe was did Palpatine because Palpatine clearly orchestrated all this, but maybe did he let Duku in on this a little bit? Like, you know, we're going to try and tempt him, tempt him to the dark side. Because we saw all the way through the series, right? We saw all through the series that. um uh, Dooku was constantly training these acolytes and, and, and that sort of thing is maybe Dooku thinking of Anakin as an acolyte or did maybe Palpatine plant that idea in his mind or, or what but I don't know and, and just right now this, this great look from Christopher Lee you know it's, he, knows, he knows Palpatine is the Sith Lord and I almost would, would love to know what was going through his mind what was going through Dooku's mind you know uh, uh, as Pal- Palpatine is saying you know kill him kill him now
0: uh, well, I think his facial expression almost sums it oh, up. Oh, yeah. I mean, that speaks as much to the uh, to the talent of Christopher Lee, who, oh, for sure, you know, at the time of recording, has sadly passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, Count Dooku, at this point, after going through everything we've watched and, and read about Count Dooku in the time of the Clone Wars, it's I don't want to say a tragic death because, as you say, Dominic, Dooku sealed his own fate, mm-hmm. but after seeing the attempts at trying to train up some dark side acolyte to challenge and overthrow Sidious, and then when Dooku's hands are cut off, and he's in that scene, which we've just seen of Anakin holding the two lightsabers there, about to cut off his head, Dooku's hit his all-time low. And we talked about it, the downfall of Dooku throughout the course of the Clone Wars, uh-huh. and it's hit his Zenith here with, obviously, his death. Yeah. But uh, before we, we get on to the... What's coming up with the grievous Obi Wan and Anakin scene? What about the plot itself, Dominic? Because obviously, in season four, we've seen this before, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> the Chancellor kidnapped and Anakin and Dooku facing off against each other. And it'd be interesting to know how privy Dooku was to that scene as well, or yeah. what was supposed to happen there.
1: Well, with that, well, with, with the season four thing, I, I kind of feel like that was maybe more played off as we're going to kill Anakin Skywalker. We're going to assassinate this guy who's been the thorn in our side in in this war and 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 all that. I kind of feel like with this one though, just just the way it's set up and and the way that Dooku is kind of tempting him that maybe Palpatine placed it in his mind that you know Anakin has the great has great potential if he were to ever fall to the dark side. Um but at the by that same token, I, d- I don't know. I, I it would be you know that would have been a, an interesting story for the show to have dealt with if they if they had ever gotten uh, if they had ever
0: gotten this far. Do you find it more interesting, then, Dominic, having seen the numerous <laughs> times that Anakin and Dooku faced off against each other? Do you think this scene becomes a lot more impactful? Him killing Count Dooku, and it kind of shows now, does it not? The talent of Anakin Skywalker, or his advancement from Attack of the Clones, when obviously Anakin's arm was cut off, yeah, and Dooku was clearly the superior. How times have changed, really, in, this, in a very short space of time.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know that was something that you know on, on the series people always talked about that it, you know, the fact that they kept fighting what you know, ruined quote unquote uh, the Lion in Revenge of the Sith. Uh But to, to me, I, I always took that as no. We're, we're kind of seeing these benchmark moments in, in Anakin's training, and, and every time he fought Dooku, he got progressively better. Until we would get to their final showdown in Revenge of the Sith. And yeah, that line about you know my powers have doubled is a bit weird now, but it it, it still uh, it, it still works. Like I, I don't think it ruins anything. I don't think it it. it, it makes the makes their fight any less impactful or anakin's success any less impactful if anything it makes it more impactful because we know how how far he's gone how much time he's spent on uh, on on training to do this and how much he has improved
0: i think it also speaks to anakin's personality though uh-huh. he's always been one in these jewels to give off a bit of banter or yeah um as some sort of condescending statement against his opponent it speaks i think as much to that as what his quote actually means mm-hmm. um it's kind of saying hey duke you know what he might have beaten me last couple of times but this time i'm going to beat you mm-hmm. and he's just trying to portray that that confidence but uh here we go this is the big one dominic this is Anakin and Grievous meeting <laughs> for the first time in the Clone Wars. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm kind, I'm kind of impressed that the series did uh, manage to keep them apart because that, I mean, that would have been such a cool fight, you know, to see Anakin fight Grievous. But the thing is, Anakin would have had to have won that fight, you know, Grievous. Grievous could get away from Obi Wan maybe, but I don't think he would be able to get away from Anakin. So I, I think that is uh, you know I, I, it's it's kind of impressive, but it's also the right decision to have to have gone that way. And and this this line here that Anakin has, you know, General Grievous, I ex- uh, you're shorter than I expected, you know that that's so uh, that's so perfect uh, for for the character. And, and you know that was some that's something I could totally hear Matt Lanter saying on the Clone Wars. You know, it, it's it's a you know they've they've really got the they really did such a good job on on that series of. Uh, both making Anakin a, a bit more likable than he was, especially in Attack of the Clones, but also not completely changing him the way some people talk about it. You know, the, the, he is still very much the same character. And, and there are times on The Clone Wars where I, I do feel like I could hear Hayden Christensen saying some of those lines and having them be just as impactful.
0: Absolutely. And I think it speaks to Matt Lanter's performance that they obviously brought him back for Star Wars Rebels to... Oh, yeah. Voice Anakin from the Clone Wars, and, and 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 Anakin again in the season finale. I won't say anything more than that to those who haven't seen the season finale. But uh, all to say, all I will say is that Matt Lanter is heard in the finale, which is quite interesting. Yes, but very much so. um, yeah, I mean this is a great scene here, and I love it when is telling the battle droids to stay at your stations when the (laughs) jedi are literally cutting all the droids apart yeah i'd be like um i'm gonna leg it out yeah like the uh, nemoidians do maybe that speaks as much to me as it does to uh to the droids but um i mean i mean when i start looking at this the duration's been just over 20 minutes it's so action heavy at the start but it I think it works very well, doesn't it, Dominic? As mm-hmm. this opening sequence to to make you think, yes, this is the Clone Wars. This is we the are, war. yeah, invested in this now. Mm-hmm. Um, to those who obviously haven't seen the Clone Wars and have only seen the films, yeah. But, and I mean the uh, the
1: Clone War, the Clone Wars, the 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 event itself is very different from anything we from any of the other wars that we've seen in the galaxy, which. Because it's it's a very active war; it's it's constantly going on. Whereas the rebellion against the Empire is much more of a guerrilla war, and the First Order Resistance stuff in the in the sequel era is is uh, very much a cold war, cold war until uh, mm. until Episode Seven opens up. So you know it, it's it's different, but it, it, it but it makes sense. It makes sense that we would be dropped into such a huge battle when there are two factions in the galaxy that are actively fighting a, a relatively traditional war i mean there are some very non traditional elements like you know one side is fighting only with droids and the other side is fighting with clones but it is you know it's not like uh it's not like the rebellion who are who are doing much more uh, guerrilla style attacks
0: yeah it's it's so different but as you say it works really well and i actually think it it, it showcases to the audience the changing personality of the Jedi. Mm. I mean, when we go into this film, it seems very militaristic, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The Jedi seem to be really savvy with military operations, even though they are supposed to be the defenders of uh, peace and justice, yet they sound how the clones almost sound don't they
1: yeah i mean I don't you think can... there's
0: much of a distinction yeah at the beginning and i and perhaps that's more subtle but having watched the clone wars dominic can you kind of see a continuation oh, in, sure. the, in the change of the jedi order losing its way that's that's what we keep saying don't we yeah
1: yeah i mean the the clone wars series kind of picks up i would say probably about like six months after attack of the clones or there there's been enough time has has passed that we we don't really get to see that those early awkward transitional phases for the jedi of of becoming uh, uh becoming war leaders although it may just be that they transitioned very easily into it i mean mace windu he gets the those uh uh, so cl- cl- uh commando squadrons in attack of the clones you know they they mentioned that um but you comp- you compare the beginning of this movie to the beginning of of attack of the clones where the jedi are taking a very like they don't want to get involved in anything they you know mace is saying we are keepers of the peace not soldiers they're not going to fight a war uh obi-wan doesn't want to launch any sort of investigation into what's going on with padme they're just there to 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 protect her they're not there to you know hunt down jango fett or anything of course they eventually get to that but what they but they aren't uh uh ah, falcon <laughs> um, but they aren't uh they aren't uh too much uh interested in, in actively fighting anybody. But in the beginning of this movie, yeah, you're right. We've got Anakin and Obi-Wan running around, uh, fighting a war. And, and yeah, you know, we, I, I don't know if we necessarily hear them sounding like clones. They're not talking in the, in, um, well, I guess they are a little bit during the space battle, but there, there's not too, too much of the, you know, uh, military babble sort of thing. They're not talking in codes or anything, but it, it does, uh, it, it is, it is very, different from the from the perspective that they had at the beginning of attack of the clones
0: yeah absolutely and it makes a lot of sense after watching the the clone wars tv series that this is the mindset of the jedi now um that we don't see the transition period because we're looking at it from attack of the clones to revenge of the sith yeah three years have passed that's the way it's going to be uh-huh. but um here we at- go. This is Mace Windu here talking, talking with the Chancellor, and and, and so clueless as to <laughs> who he really is, even at this stage. Well, is uh, it but, still it still does make me laugh. I have to say. Well, but, I, you um, get the
1: impression though. I I, I do kind of get the impression though from from the Clone Wars, especially the Yoda arc, that there there is a bit of a frustration on the side of the Jedi about uh, how the Chancellor how how the trans- Chancellor is, is behaving, and they they don't ever confront him about it until things are, you know, at their absolute worst. But they they do uh you know, Yoda says, you know, after his meeting with the chancellor, you know, something to the effect of, well, that went as well as they all as things always seems to go with the chancellor, sort of implying that they never really get anything from the chancellor. And just the fact that they that they um have Anakin spying on him later in this movie suggests to me that they they, they do have a, have a mistrust of him, but I, I, I and so I think in this scene, you kind of have Mace Windu kind of putting on a, a facade of, yeah, yeah, sure. I totally trust you. And this is just kind of how we're going to uh, going to go about doing this because even, even in the way that di- in the dialogue that we have there, and maybe the performances weren't, aren't quite there to back this up, but you know, Palpatine says, you know, they killed Count Dooku, but I assure you the war, the Senate will vote to continue the war until Grievous is found. Um, and then Windu says, well, then we'll make finding Grievous our top priority. Sort of like it's, it is kind of a weird little game of cat and mouse, like uh, where neither of them 100% trusts the other one and they're both sort of trying to keep a, trying to push an agenda forward where Mason Windu, he wants to end the war, whereas Palpatine, for obvious reason, w- reasons, wants to keep it going.
0: Yeah, and, and speaking of people who have issues over trust, we're just in the scene now of Anakin and Padme. Yeah. And another quote that I find very intriguing, and I actually think this is, uh, from what we've seen in The Clone Wars, actually makes this interpretation of a quote very different. When Anakin says, it feels like we've been apart for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So naturally, when you first see that, you think, oh, well, he hasn't seen Padme since Attack of the Clones. We know that's not the case. But I think it starts to speak perhaps more to his obsession over Padme, well, Dominic, would w- you say he that?
1: Had, he would have had to have seen her since Attack of the Clones if she if she's going to be pregnant.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. But, <laughs> okay, at least since she was initially pregnant. Sure. I don't know how stuff works in the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah,
1: yeah maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe the... Maybe there the, could be different... Yeah, the gestation different different period
0: time spans. is <laughs> 12 months or something. But either way, <laughs> do you think it speaks to this obsession I think Anakin is really having with Padme now that, you know, for him, time seems to go so slow even though they've they've probably not been apart for for too too long.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Padme is now his one like escape from all of this. And and Anakin has always had trust issues with the Jedi. You know, even going back before Attack of the Clones, if you if you're reading the um, Obi Wan and Anakin miniseries that Marvel is putting out, you know, one of the one of the plot lines is that, and that is that Anakin is considering leaving the Jedi Order, and that's you know, three to five years after the Phantom Menace. You know, it's not he's not all that far along in his training. So Anakin, you know, they're really starting to set up this idea in the in the story that that Anakin was never. Really content with the way the Jedi did things, he you know because it was so different from the way he grew up, and you know he wanted to visit his mother and he wanted to visit uh, Padme and 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 all that, and so you know he he eventually created he was eventually able to get some some friendships outside of outside of Obi Wan really in in Ahsoka, mm. and then so you know between the loss of his mother and then the loss of Ahsoka and his mother to death and and Ahsoka to the to the Jedi. Those are like the two, uh, you know, not to the Jedi. I mean, Ahsoka's still alive, obviously, but she's, you know, she left because of the Jedi council. Those are the two things that Palpatine uses to manipulate him to fall, to, to come over to the dark side is that, you know, the Jedi don't trust you. The Jedi are not trustworthy. and, And, you know, it's not said in the movie, but it's implied now that we've seen the series, you know, look what they did to Ahsoka. Uh, they basically sent her away uh, they sent away, you know, someone who was not only your apprentice, but I, I would very much argue one of his best friends. Um, you know, her and Obi Wan, uh, and then Re- and Rex uh, to a to a lesser extent as well. But they, you know, she's been sent away, and now you know, and you lost your mother, and the Jedi couldn't help you with that. You couldn't even tell the Jedi about that because they would never have helped you. They would have they they would have actually looked down on you for having that attachment. And so you know you can't tell the Jedi about that, and and, you know the Padme thing would just be even worse. So he's really playing on those two relationships that Anakin had outside the Jedi Order that went sideways, and they're both the and the 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 factors that caused both of those relationships to fall to fall apart are sort of converging on Padme here at the at at just at the right time for Palpatine.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and. A lot of people have talked about this scene that's, that's just been played now with Anakin and and Padme talking on the balcony, mm-hmm. and a lot of people were critical of the fact it seemed very forced. It seemed quite unnatural. But I think that just epitomises their relationship. It is a bit unnatural. It's not. It's not Han and Leia, is it? It's not that uh, the, the kind of rapport you would expect from two people who really love each other. It's is very. Yeah, one-dimensional almost. It's it's so uh, secretive. It's it's challenging, and we've seen the obstacles that this relationship has had to overcome to reach this stage. Um, Ari Clovis, for example, yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it, you know, Anakin having this dream now of of, of the, obviously Padme dying during childbirth. Um, yes, we know that, that that is a prophecy, but what, how he acts and reacts after it, I think. Speaks a lot about An- Anakin's character now, doesn't it, Dominique?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, w- now, what do you make of, of Padme in this movie? Because it, this movie is she has a very different role from Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and even what we saw of her in Clone Wars. And it, it, you know, a lot of people were were disappointed to see her sidelined the way she was in in this movie. And and I, you know, th- that is something where I, I can't help but agree because you know she was so active in the in the political scene in, in both of the previous movies and in in clone wars as well that you know it, it's it's kind of strange that she almost uh sits by and 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 lets this uh lets basically lets this happen without even uh you know without really doing much about it unless you watch the deleted scenes of course
0: mm-hmm. I, I think it's a shame that some of those deleted scenes had to remain deleted because it would have shown that Padme did play a more active role. And I think throughout the Clone Wars, we do see Padme playing that politician a lot more, don't we? Uh-huh. When they when she goes to uh, try and make peace with the separatists on those number of missions that she went on to uh, when she went and saw, I think it was Senator Mina Bonteri. Um, uh-huh and tried to make peace overtures. It just didn't come to fruition. So I think the Clone Wars helps expand Padme's character. And we learn a lot more about her political career, how she made those relations with Senator Mina Bonteri, for example, and uh, she tried to make those peace overtures with the separatists. So it hasn't been completely neglected, but as you rightly mentioned with the deleted scenes, Dominic, I think it would have been nice to have perhaps seen that explored a little more in the Revenge of the Sith film.
1: And now we've got this scene here with uh, Anakin going to see Yoda. Yeah,
0: and this, getting... this is one of your favorites, Dominic, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it, you reference this a lot, and I, I, I'd i be interested to hear why you enjoy this scene so much.
1: Well, I, I just find this scene really, really um, interesting because it, it, it gives us... When you look at it in the context of the Clone Wars, right? Because you get a similar scene involving Yoda and Ahsoka. And, and I, I feel like the advice that Yoda gives is very, very different to Anakin and Ahsoka. And I, I think that's uh, based on their situation. Because if you look at what he says to, to Yoda, or to <laughs> what he says to himself, no, uh, what he says to Ahsoka, he says, choose you must how to respond to your visions. But remember, always in, in, fo- in motion is the future and many possible futures there are. And, and then he, and before that, he says, premonitions telling you something they are. So you begin to see the true power of the force, visions they are. Underestimate them, you must not meditate to, cle- to see clearly more experience you need. And whereas, and you compare that with what he says to Anakin, where he says, you know, train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And, and they're so different. The, these uh, these bits of advice, and to me, I've always taken that as an assumption that Yoda knows exactly what Anakin is talking about, or at the very least, he has a he has a pretty good idea of it. That you know, he recognizes that it's not he's not just you know this is not Obi Wan we're talking about here. He's he, you know Anakin's not having visions about Obi Wan dying, but what he is having visions about is uh, is, is Padme. And I, I've always assumed that um, Anakin no- that, uh, that Yoda knows about Anakin and Padme, or at the very least he has some some suspicions because you know he's he's trying to tell Anakin in the scene, let go of Padme if you if you follow this uh, these visions, if you believe in them and they will take you to a very dark place. Whereas with the Ahsoka, he basically tells her, you know, you need to learn how to deal with these visions. Uh, you know, sometimes you need to act on them. Sometimes you, you shouldn't act on them. Whereas with Anakin, he's saying, don't act on them.
0: Yeah. And I think it's reflected really in the lighting of that scene. It's very uh-huh. dark and it's kind of representative of the mood in that scene. It's it, it's kind of foreshadowing what's going to occur really because yeah. um, it, it just shows Anakin perhaps in a very dark place and he's not really sure where to go from here and then in scenes like this one here with Palpatine you can kind of see why he would be drawn to Palpatine at this time because mm-hmm. he's not really getting that advice that, that he wants. Mentor Palpatine apparently is giving he, he, he says to Anakin that he wants him to be his uh representative on the Jedi Council mm-hmm. uh, i.e. the Chancellor's representative mm-hmm. Um and this is this is such a Vader Palpatine moment, isn't it, really? Yeah. <laughs> it seems that way by the way that they, they walked in the shadows there. Yeah. But um, uh, here's the moment, Dominic, with the with the Jedi Council. What do, what do you make of this scene here <laughs> well, where I, I, Anakin has rejected the title of Jedi Master? Well,
1: one of my favorite uh, things associated with this scene was watching the 3D version of Revenge of the Sith at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. Uh, Because during this scene here, as Mace Windu says, you're on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. And Anakin says, what? Somebody in the audience, as we cut back to Mace Windu, somebody in the audience yells, say what again? You know, like like, uh, Sam Jackson's classic line from Pulp Fiction. And everybody just cracked up in the audience so i, I can't i hope when, now whenever i see this scene i think of say what again you know
0: and, and
1: so it's it's
0: uh, that's what was missing from the scene yeah, to be honest apparently people would have enjoyed this scene a lot more if he said that <laughs> I do love And then he draws his lightsaber out. That would have made it perfect. Yeah.
1: I I do love Obi-Wan's just little shake of the head there. Like he knows this is so this is such an Anakin thing to do. To, you know, to 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 listen to or to to freak out and have a little um you know, get upset about the fact that uh that the Chancellor and, and um that, that, you know, he's not getting the treatment he deserves. And, you know, Obi-Wan recognizes that Anakin has always felt that he deserves some form of uh, of preferential treatment. You know, he was always... You know he was he was the hero of the Clone Wars. He he really really was. Anakin was on the front lines. He won battles. Him and Obi Wan they were like the go to for go to guys for all the biggest missions and all the all the most important stuff. And you know he's his whole life people have been telling him he's the chosen one. He's the chosen one. Yeah, you're not gonna get a swollen head when people keep telling you you're the chosen one. So I I I do think you know I think Obi Wan recognizes that. Oh yeah, this is this is just Anakin being Anakin. Um, but by that same same token, you know, it is uh you know, it, it really shows that frustration that Anakin has with the council after everything they've put him through, keeping him in the dark about things like the Reiko Hardeen uh incident, the whole Ahsoka thing. And and what we see there is we see all of Anakin's frustrations bubble to the surface briefly. He's able to sort of put a cap on it but really they should have been a lot more concerned about what happened and instead you know obi-wan is is kind is of kind of almost takes a well anakin being anakin again you know that's that's just the way he is that's how he does that's how he does things
0: hmm. but as you also see in this movie with with this current scene with um obi-wan telling anakin that The Council want him to spy on the Chancellor. Mm -hmm. I mean, Obi-Wan's not in full agreement with anything the Council says. And I quite like that line now when he says to Anakin, I'm on your side. I didn't want you to be put in this situation. Well, we've seen it before, haven't we, Dominic, in the Dark Disciple novel when he was clearly not uh, in consensus with the Council on the idea of assassinating Count Dooku. And now the Council wants him to spy on the Chancellor, Anakin, that is it's it's becoming but is very- obi-wan
1: is obi-wan on the side of the council in that they should be spying on palpatine because you listen to the case that he's making here to anakin he he is kind of i think what obi-wan says i'm on your side i don't want to put you in in this situation is it because you know even though you know I was just giving him I was just sort of saying you know he he does kind of sort of laugh off anakin not not laugh off but just kind of dismisses anakin's uh little outburst there in the council chambers. Um, he, he also, I think he also recognizes more so than most, um, Anakin's, uh, potential for maybe falling to the dark side. You know, he, he does, he has to recognize that Anakin has these, these frust- all this anger and frustration and, and all that stuff. And, you know, he, he has to realize that Anakin is very disillusioned with the council, especially after the Ahsoka thing. And so they've taken, you know, And Palpatine is another really important uh, relationship in Anakin's life. And it served as, you know, a second ago, a few minutes ago, we were running down the most important relationships in Anakin's life and we left out Palpatine, but he is that, that other uh, really important relationship at this point. And he's basically being asked to betray the trust of someone he considers, as he says, you know, a mentor and a friend. And that, Combined with all of the other things, uh, I would say, in particular, the Ahsoka thing would make him frustrated. And I think Obi Wan recognizes the danger of asking him to do that. Now, I don't know if Obi Wan necessarily thinks Anakin would go dark, but he might think that uh, Anakin would leave the Jedi Order. He might want out after this craziness. After you know, we saw in Clone Wars that he uh, he admits to having to, to wanting out of the Jedi Order at times. You know, that's not a that's not a small admission on his part. You know, that's a big deal. Uh and and so I th- I think when Obi-Wan says, you know, I'm on your side, I didn't want to put you in this position. I think in this situation it might be more of a I didn't want to put you in particular in this position.
0: Yeah. Because, it makes sense because it, 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 they've they've had that close connection. And I think Obi-Wan empathizes more of Anakin's situation than anybody else can, particularly with the Satine Padme thing, which oh, I think by this stage, we're we're all pretty clued up to the fact that Obi-Wan is aware of what was going on between those two.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, um, and the other thing to keep in mind here is, is that, you know, you mentioned the the Dark Disciple novel. I, I, I wonder, you know, how how Obi-Wan does feel about the mission in general because, you know, he does make a pretty impassioned case to Anakin that, you know, something's out of place here. You know, something's not right. And, and Obi-Wan was never... Trust trusting of of, Pal, of of Palpatine the way Anakin was you know even back in Attack mm. of the Clones you know he's saying you know Palpatine is a politician and he he sort of uh, he's pointing out all these reasons to not trust uh, oh, George Lucas George Lucas right there um, he's pointing out all these reasons to uh, to not trust Palpatine and uh, and so I think when Obi Wan presents that case uh, I think that when Obi Wan is presented with this opportunity to spy on on Palpatine. I think he like the rest of the council, he really wants to know what's up and he may be able to get around any um ethical uh questions he has because they're not necessarily going to do anything if they find out that the chancellor's just a kind old man, then they're not going to they're not going to do anything about it. it but whereas with Duku it was very much they are 100% breaking their code by by sending Voss to uh, assassinate Assassinate uh, Dooku. Speaking of Voss, I just want to say it's kind of interesting. You know, they mentioned him uh, a few minutes ago. You know, Master Voss has moved his troops to Boss Pity. You know, with uh, with Dark Disciple in mind, it's it's good to know that they were they you know, they were able to trust Voss again to to lead missions on mm-hmm. his own on on Boss Pity. It is kind of a uh, it is heartening a little bit that that after you know going through that journey with him in that book and and, and in such a personal way because it was a book. Uh to, to know that he uh he turned out all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can't quite say the same for Anakin, obviously. In, the, in in this scene here, <laughs> yeah, this scene here, this, which is fantastic. Yeah. This is one of the best scenes. This scene in here, where we saga, mm-hmm,
1: where we get the backstory for Supreme Leader Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do, what do you make it. of what do you make of uh, Snoke as Plagueis?
0: No, oh, it's. I can't believe it, to be honest. Yeah, Uh, no, I'm with you. It just doesn't make sense to me why Plagueis would, I mean, that means Plagueis has been alive this whole time uh behind the scenes and he's done what, nothing? Yeah. Or or Palpatine's kept it a secret? I don't, I don't really look at the scene in that way. No. I look at it more as the backstory to Palpatine. Yes. But I also look at it through looking at the, uh, the Clone Wars dimension about this idea of, uh, being able to sustain life, um, I mean, look at Darth Maul. I mean, he's managed to keep himself alive for goodness knows how many years, um, even at the seeming face of death. And I think that speaks as much to what the Sith want to do, what they want to achieve. Palpatine does not want to go into some afterlife. That's not his goal. He wants to stave himself away from death.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the Darth Maul aspect... The Darth Maul angle on this is really interesting because he does—he uses the dark side to keep himself alive after sustaining an injury that really should have killed him. Yeah, uh, that was he,
0: certainly life-threatening. Yeah, <laughs> you know I mean, yeah, He's he, torn, he, so he was, was in—he
1: was in critical <laughs> condition. It was—it was—it was bad. It was bad for a while there, um, but he was able to use the dark side to keep himself alive, and and it—it's kind of, you, you know, you wonder how much. Some of those experiences in the Clone Wars that Anakin had might make him open to, you know, the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. You know, the the idea that this is possible. One, you know, he saw that the dark side could sustain, sustain someone to come back to life in Maul. I, I don't know if Anakin ever, Anakin never actually faced Maul, but you can bet he heard a lot about him.
0: Yeah, well, of course he would. Yeah. You know, Obi Wan being, being his master would have no doubt relayed a lot of. What went down there, but I, it's, it's funny because when you read the Darth Plagueis novel, and, and it's That's not based canon. on its interpretation <laughs> whether it's canon or not, but I'm, I'm saying it is canon. Um, you also, I think sometimes we forget that we hear about the backstory of Plagueis and Sidious, but you also hear about the backstory of Maul about mm. him being handed to Palpatine on Dathomir about the fact he was secretly trained by Palpatine under the guise of an assassin, which is exactly what Dooku says in the Clone Wars about all of his apprentices, funnily enough. Um, yeah. But Maul would have learned a lot from Palpatine and would have learned about what he and Plagueis were up to, mm-hmm. um, the idea and, of trying and, to sustain and- life. So it makes sense that Moore would be able to practice it as well
1: yeah and and you know we we, we've learned through clone wars and and now rebels that maul is a lot more powerful than we get to see in the phantom menace he has a lot you know in the phantom menace he does definitely seem like he's just a tool he is just that weapon you know he' he's, he's just an assassin, but we saw through Clone Wars that he had other skills in terms of diplomas, d- diplomacy and, and bringing people together and manipulating people that is very similar to what Palpatine does. And even in uh, you know rebels, they did such a good job with showing how Maul uh, manipulates Ezra in the in the finale and, and, and you know the way he puts on that guise of the old man and and that sort of thing. Uh, and, and so we get the sense of how much more powerful he is, and, and just the fact he was able to, to sustain himself. Now, obviously, Anakin is looking for something uh, much more than what Maul was able to do. You know, Maul was able to keep himself alive, but barely and insane. So, you know, obviously, Anakin is looking to keep someone alive and how they were, you know, how they were before, which is what Palpatine is able to uh, offer him, but. With that in mind, the other time that Anakin has seen someone come back to life was Mortis, where Ahsoka died, mm. and uh, you know through the power of the father and uh, and the and the daughter, he was they were able to bring Ahsoka back. Now, how much Anakin, how you know how much Anakin really knows of what happened on Mortis. Is uh, is up for interpretation? How much he remembers? Obviously, he remembers some of it because Yoda talks to him about seeing Qui Gon in uh, in the Yoda arc, and you know, Anakin says in the Yoda arc, Obi Wan thinks that they were just, you know, it was just a vision, it was just a dream. Whereas Anakin, you almost get the sense that Anakin is it takes it takes what happened a little bit more seriously. And you know, when Palpatine is saying, you know, he achieved the power to create life. Anakin's kind of seen that firsthand with whatever happened on Mortis, and you know what what happened on Mortis is up for interpretation just amongst ourselves. Whether that was uh, truly a uh, an experience that they had, whether it was just the cave on Dagobah, whether you know Mortis was a real place. Those are there, there's a lot of uh, questions that still remain unanswered and will probably always remain unanswered and probably should always remain unanswered about what happened on Mortis. But you you can bet that when Palpatine is bringing up this idea to Anakin, that's something that would cross his mind.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I, I, I have to say that, um, the experiences on Mortis are always going to be up for interpretation, but it, it would not shock me at all if, Based on the experience of saving Ahsoka, Anakin would be a bit more for the idea of um, of, of of you know pledging his bets with Palpatine. But here we go, Dominic. Here's another great scene, and and the the farewell really isn't it of uh-huh. of the the brothers or you know brothers in arms of Obi Wan and Anakin. Um, and whilst it, it's it's a nice scene, it, it's also filled with a bit of. A bit of tragedy, really, isn't it? When you know what's about to come.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, you get that feeling of, oh man, like you know, it, you know, in the in the story, everything seems to be maybe like it's about to turn around for Anakin. Mm. But you get that feeling when uh, when you're watching it. It's almost because because of the way Star Wars was, re- was released, and we know that Anakin has to turn to the dark side. It's almost the way you feel, uh, or the way I feel when I watch The Force Awakens again. Right, like whenever Han Solo uh, is about to walk out onto that chasm with uh, and and face his son, you know, I, I get this like feeling in the pit of my stomach of oh my god, it's gonna happen, he's, he's going to die, and I get that same feeling here. But the the difference is being here, you know, I got that feeling the first time because we knew um, for sure what, was going, to what was going to happen. Whereas with Han Solo, it's only on. Uh, subsequent viewings, where I sort of get that feeling of, oh no, oh don't don't do it, don't do it, Obi Wan, don't leave, Han, don't go out on that railingless walkway, <laughs> whatever you do. Um, but you know that they're they're very similar scenes. You know they're set up in a way that when you don't know how it's going to play out, uh, it is it, it, you know they 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 feel like they could be the turning point for things getting better. It could be ben solo coming back to the light it could be anakin trying to fix his relationship with obi-wan and the jedi and and helping and, and being heroic and uh instead uh you know things just get worse and worse
0: mm. and, and we've just hit the scene now where anakin plays his game boy or what it looks like to be some sort of nintendo ds yeah. but uh, <laughs> uh, uh speak on a serious note in this scene here Anakin has the vision of uh, of Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and I think it's quite interesting the way he has this vision because clearly he seems to be having it while he's awake that's that's a difference uh for one but uh, Dominic this is also speaks to the mistrust that uh, Anakin also has of Obi-Wan yes Obi-Wan is a trusted mentor but uh he he also feels that Obi-Wan doesn't fully trust Anakin and and uh, obviously the the vision was about Obi-Wan and Padme. I mean, do, do you think we've seen evidence in the Clone Wars of Obi-Wan and, 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 well, Anakin not being able to trust Obi-Wan? I mean, for me, the Reiko Hardin yeah. arc stands out well, that's, as being one of those.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's the big one. I mean, Anakin or Obi-Wan let Anakin think he was dead because he didn't trust him. Because he he did he thought that if Anakin knew he was alive... Um well, you know, I actually I I don't think Obi-Wan didn't trust Anakin. Anakin took it as he didn't trust him. I think Anakin, yeah, exactly. you know, Anakin took that as I you don't trust me, when really it was Obi-Wan saying, "No, I I needed to play off your emotions and and have you really think I was dead so that everyone would believe it," which is kind of just as horrible a thing to do, you know, yeah. it's, it's, that's pretty awful as well. Um, but I want to it's talk-
0: a bit of a criticism to Anakin really, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but no, no, it's, I would say it's more of a criticism of, of Obi-Wan because that's, that's, that's a, that's an awful thing to do to your friends to let them think you're, you're basically using his emotion. You're using his, uh, emotional reaction to what happened, uh where he he's supposed to believe that you died because then everyone else will see him being sad and they'll realize uh you know oh yeah he i guess obi-wan really is dead so it it, you know no matter how you look at that that was kind of a a a, a jerk a a jerk move on the part of uh of obi-wan there
0: Mm. yeah i mean obi-wan has his own flaws and uh, we've seen that in the original trilogy as well, haven't we? You know, yeah. Oh, it's it's true from a, from a certain point I of view, Luke. Even though he pretty much lied to Luke yeah. about saying that his father was dead. So uh, well, there you go. I mean, Obi, Obi- Wan's done it in the past as well in the Clone Wars when he <laughs> fooled Anakin to thinking that he was dead. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's all true from a certain perspective, Obi Wan. But uh, it, I mean. Coming to this scene now, Dominic, we're, we're on Utapal, mm-hmm. but we've been here before. Yeah, in the Clone Wars. <laughs> the Clone Wars. very recently. Oh no, is Crisis on Utapal the sequel, isn't it? Yeah, I'm maybe very- <laughs> that's what they should call this particular scene. But, uh, I mean, what do you make it of it now? Obi Wan returning to Utapal after what happened last time, and uh. I mean, surprise, surprise! Grievous is there. It's Should it really of, be a
1: surprise, though? It, it's kind of strange. I, I will say it is kind of strange that that was that they that they chose to go to Utapau in the Clone Wars before, uh, the series before the before before Revenge of the Sith. I I I don't. That's a decision where I I don't fully um I don't fully understand it. I don't know if I fully agree with it. It it kind of seems, it, it seemed a bit odd to to go back to this planet. Um and of course have it beforehand because you know, the way um, that guy, the, the, the Udapau the leader Tian Madan or whatever his name is, you know, the way he talks about talks about it, it. It almost sounds like, you know, he didn't hear about what happened and, you know, maybe it happened on the other side of the planet or something, but you know, you get the sense that he's tr- supposed to be playing it off. Like Udapau is a peaceful place, you know, Udapau is a peaceful place. We have no weapons there, you know, sort of like Leia in, uh, in a in a New Hope, talking about Alderaan, you know, like it's it's he's he's obviously Tiamaton's doing it under duress. He's under threat of uh, of Grievous killing him if he doesn't present that uh, that type of of, of image. But it, it, I I got that impression, and then to have had this big uh, this big showdown involving battle droids and and the war and and all that sort of thing happening in the Clone Wars, it it, it seemed to. It was an odd choice. I, I will say that.
0: Yeah, and I uh, mean the, the only to, the only thing to,
1: that you know to, to look at it from another perspective, from another point of view, would be you know he does say you know there's no war here unless you brought it with you, kind of maybe insinuating that the last time things got bad here was because the Jedi were around. But then I don't know, I don't know. But it does. But that that line there that does speak to. Um, you know the way the Jedi are perceived in the galaxy at this time, which is something that you know Palpatine has worked very hard to uh, to create this this impression that the Jedi are responsible for the war.
0: Yeah, they're war war mongers aren't, and that's what they're seen as. And uh, he, here's another great scene. Oh, I yeah. remember watching this scene in the Revenge of the, the Sith trailer, or or the, the moment where Obi Wan is surrounded by these battle droids. And you're looking there thinking, how the hell is he going to get out of that? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's great. It's, it's another Obi-Wan Grievous duel. And I think uh, a bit like Anakin and Count Dooku, this one was seen as quite repetitive, Obi-Wan v. Grievous. But, uh, uh I think it's good, isn't it? To have that little call back when Obi-Wan says, hello there to, uh, what Grievous said to Obi-Wan in the uh, malevolence uh, trilogy. If we go all the way back to season one of the clone wars, um, but I, I think it does also show, Dominic. I don't know what you think about this, but uh, uh, he's a Jedi and Obi Wan in particular is still far superior to General Grievous. I mean, Grievous is a cyborg who doesn't have any Force capabilities. But as as Mace Windu has made the point, he he just seems to like to run away a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, the scene is is very much you know. When you look at the Clone Wars and then you look at this scene, it, it's kind of a continuation, you know, just the way that Obi-Wan is almost kind of having fun in this scene. you, you know, you, even without having seen the Clone Wars, you do get the sense that they have fought uh, many times before, uh, whereas, you know, whereas the first time we saw the movie, you know, it's kind of you're kind of wondering how, how many times they, they've seen each other. Uh, but now we know they have seen uh, they, they've they've fought. This isn't their this isn't their first go around. Uh, And, and I, and I think there's just something about this scene, you know, not only the uh, the way, not only the fact that you had, uh, Matt Wood as Grievous in both the films and the series, but also just James Arnold Taylor's performance in, uh, in, in the Clone Wars capturing, uh, not only the, the vocal similarities, but the, the, the the spirit of Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and in these sorts of scenes in particular, uh, you know i think that really speaks to what how these two scenes work so well how this scene and the series work so well together it's another instance where it does feel like a continuation of what we've seen uh across uh, across the various mediums
0: Hmm. absolutely absolutely and we're now coming up to the uh so the big Palpatine Palpatine reveal, but I mean we're in this little uh, war chamber here, and uh, and, and Mace Windu is about to reveal the fact that he senses there's another <laughs> a, Sith Lord or a, something. I sense I mean, a plot I mean, to well done, the Jedi. Buffy, for catching on, uh, just just about the about the wrong time of the war. Yeah. I mean, I sense a plot to destroy the well, Jedi. Well, it's you know, it's, and, it's
1: better late than never. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I mean, it's true. He caught on to it finally, so I'll give him I'll give him credit for actually figuring it out. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, he
1: probably probably should have thought about this a little bit more. I just want to say briefly uh, for everybody listening to this, uh, if you're depending on the version of the film you're watching, you you might be at different uh, different points just because of the the play speed of Blu-ray versus DVD. Uh, so Kieran is is watching the DVD, and I'm watching the Blu-ray, and so he is a a little bit ahead of me. And so I, I'm just getting to that scene now. I just saw Commander Cody pick up the lightsaber. <laughs> so you know, if you're if you're noticing a bit of discrepancy, if you're watching along with us, depending on the version you have, I, I'm not sure about the digital copy how how different that would be. I, I tend to think that might be a little bit more in line with the Blu-ray. But then there weren't the, all the titles at the beginning, so just a little bit of a clarification for anybody watching along with us you you are you are most likely in the right place uh but sorry do continue with uh with what you were saying about mace there kieran
0: oh sorry, well i, I had little more to say on the matter because uh i'm sure i'll be talking a little bit more about mace windu in the upcoming scenes but I, I i'm assuming you're just about on the palpatine anakin scene now
1: yeah yeah well mace mace is still talking to the uh talking to the council this is this is the one of those uh weird technological things where uh, you know you, you would never notice it when you're watching it but it's only when you try to watch something together but yeah now we've ju- i've just transitioned to the palpatine anakin scene and this weird this weird office i really this this office that that palpatine has <laughs> why is it all gray why is it basically in black and white
0: uh, it's, it's it's very weird. It's I have a to say,
1: weird aesthetic. I, I've always looked at that and gone, "What is up with that scene?" Like, did they when they were creating the the background for it? Because I'm I'm they probably shot shot it on green screen, but you never know. They may have built it as well. But it it, it just looks like they 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 shot the actors in color and then they shot the background as in black and white. It's it's, it's such a weird scene.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is a bit, but nonetheless, it's a very, very good scene. A very I important mean, this is the scene. shock of the century here, Dominic, isn't it? That uh, Ian, Ian McDermott mm-hmm. as, as uh, Chancellor is also Darth Sidious. Who would have thought here?
1: You know, it's, it's, it's funny because you know, when, you watch, when you watch Star Wars in release order, when you watch 4, five, six, 1, two, three, obviously you know in, in Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith that this reveal is eventually coming. But I maintain that if you just watch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 7, uh this is a pretty big reveal and, and i've heard people talk about i've heard an, anecto, you know, anecdotal evidence uh so you know take from that what you will of you know people looking at at palpatine at, at, at this scene and being shocked that palpatine is Darth Sidious and you know I even remember hearing Dave Filoni talk about it on the Clone Wars where they would show kids pictures of Anakin they'd say good guy they should show them pictures of Dooku they'd say bad guy you know that sort of thing and then they'd show them a picture of Palpatine and and they'd say good guy and so there was this I I do think for uh, if you haven't seen the rest of the story there is a separation between those two characters And, and, and people don't necessarily automatically assume that they're the same person.
0: Hmm. And to be fair, throughout the Clone Wars, that guise is kept up. And I think it was good that Dave Filoni and, and the producers of that show would have been aware that a lot of people watching the show would have been fi- uh, fans who had watched the film, so they know who Palpatine and Sidious You know, They don't know the same person. But what about the younger generation? They wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And so I feel that the the secrecy... Surrounding the Chancellor, were you know over his his uh, true intentions, over his true character, was was pretty well kept under wraps, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, there was you know if you watched a Clone Wars series, you'd see Darth Sidious in hologram form, and you see the Chancellor, but you never assume they were both. And I, I think it was good to at least try and keep that up,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it does mean, and it, as you say, I guess it is perhaps a bit of a shock if you see it. For the first time, and haven't seen the original trilogy, but uh, I think there are certainly a number of clues at the beginning of *Avengers: of Sith, particularly the opera scene that may make you think, "Hmm, how does he know about all of this? This yeah. is very interesting. <laughs> how does he know about Darth Plagueis?" Yeah, but there you go.
1: Yeah, but what do you think of the reveal itself? I mean, it's a it's a pretty low key reveal, all things considered. That you know, it, it is in this moment of tranquility, of you know, where there isn't an imminent threat, you know, Django Fett isn't hanging, hanging out outside the window going to, to shoot one of them in in a second. It it is like, it's, it's a very, you know what I think, you know, again, if you watch one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, if you watch chronological order, then you would think that maybe, uh, the, uh, the, um, the episode, or that that the reveal of who that that Sith Lord would be would be in some kind of battle in some kind of dramatic reveal, but really, I mean, it's almost I, I don't want to say it's a letdown because it's it's a hugely important scene and it's a great performance by McDermott, but it's 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 very uh, very different from how you would expect that that sort of reveal to be made. I, I, I mean, you know, but but then by that same token, I, you know, the reveal of in the Force Awakens of the fact that Han Solo is Kylo Ren's father is, is is also pretty low key. It's like Snoke just kind of mentions it just kind of like, yeah, everybody knows, you know, know, it's like in the hands of your father, Han Solo, you know, and there isn't like, it doesn't quite have the same, uh, the same, the same uh, impact. It's not quite in in the the same. um, It's not quite as dramatic. There's the term I was looking for. It's not quite as dramatic uh, as, you know, the classic I am your father scene. But but th- both of those two scenes, both of those two reveals are kind of low-key, uh, all things considered.
0: Yeah, they are. But I think it worked very well. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the nature of it that Palpatine's plan is fully in motion now. The end game is in sight. And I think Palpatine wants to make his move. Now he knows that um, Obi-Wan Kenobi has found General Grievous because he knows that the war is going to be up soon, and he knows that the Jedi are kind of on the scent now of Getting Palpatine to, um, you know, uh, to give up his emergency powers, uh, basically dictatorial powers, and uh, you know he is pretty much at this point emperor all but name. Mm-hmm, but yeah. um, I, I mean, I, I'm assuming you've just seen the Obi Wan and, and Grievous yeah. fight, which which so, has taken place, so
1: uncivilized. And, uh, I, I, I love that line. Uh, that was that that always cracks me up. It, it did in the theater. Uh, you know, I, I I don't remember much about seeing Revenge of the Sith in theater. I remember kinda of lining up beforehand. I remember I remember obviously I remember my mom reading The Crawl to my brother and I, I remember little bits and, and pieces and I remember the people uh in front of us talking about how some of the movies had been on TV the night before, and they said, oh, yeah, the second one and the first one. And at the time, I just assumed, oh, yeah, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Uh, but when I look back on that, I kind of wonder, huh, I wonder if they actually meant A New Hope and, and The Empire Strikes Back, uh, just because they, you know, they, were, they were adults. But I, I do remember that scene, the so uncivilized line. Uh, it, it got a, it got a pretty, uh, pretty good laugh when it happened
0: yeah uh, but got- and, uh, i thought it was interesting that grievous got shot yeah. by the way by a blaster you know grievous so um obsessed with lightsabers in particular it was almost a bit ironic that yeah you know he, he was shot down like a droid really wasn't he He wasn't um at all a, a, you know, some sort of honorable or heroic death or it or was just sort of getting shot down. in the heart but there you go um Anyway, we're moving away from that scene now because we're, we're coming up to the, to the big confrontation soon. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, uh, but we just... have the, the,
1: the scene uh, of Anakin and Mace where Anakin tells him you know, the truth and Mace tells him to stay behind. I, I, I think you know, Mace probably may- is making the right decision. You know, we, we've talked a lot about how Mace Windu makes a lot of the wrong decisions and represents a lot of what's wrong with the Jedi Order throughout the Clone Wars. But you know, in that scene we just saw, that is, you know, he he made the right call because mm. you know when Anakin shows up, and that's when things things go wrong.
0: Mm. And, Absolutely, and, and you wonder what would have happened had Anakin not been there. Um, as we'll come on to see, a lot of debate still surrounds whether Palpatine was faking. Um, his, his seeming uh, vulnerability or whether you know Palpatine was actually in control the whole time and, and could have killed Mace Windu there and then were it not for Anakin showing up and yeah. he wanted to tempt him to the dark side but uh, what do you make of this scene here Dominic of Anakin and Padme they're both looking at each other from yeah, a distance it, there. Seem, it seems to be they have some sort of connection there
1: but yeah. um, you know it's it, a
0: very poignant moment, isn't it?
1: Th- yeah, this is this is one of this is a, in this movie. This is one of the first times we really get to see uh, the Force itself being visualized. I mean, we kind of got it in uh, in The Empire Strikes Back um, with that with that vision. But I've always associated the, the the vision in the cave being a result of Luke being in the cave. Whereas in this movie, a couple of times we sort of see the Force take more of a visual form with Anakin's visions. Uh, that he has a Padme, you know, in, a, in Attack of the Clones, and I think in the updated versions of Attack of the Clones, I think you actually hear some of the visions, but you don't ever actually see them, whereas in Revenge of the Sith, you actually see them. And it's kind of almost, in a way, you know, when you look at the Star Wars films in release order, it's almost kind of a precursor to the the Force back that Rey has uh, in, in The Force Awakens, where she has a very dramatic vision that's reminiscent of the cave on Dagobah, but it's also... A lot, um, a lot more all-encompassing, sort of the way that uh, some of Anakin's visions are in this movie.
0: Mm. And uh, and now the decision, yeah, to go I and rescue the Chancellor. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, this is uh, this this duel between uh, Palpatine and Mace. You know, you were talking a second ago. You know, how in control is Palpatine? I think he's both simultaneously in complete control. And not in control at all. Mm
0: -hmm. You know,
1: I think the fight with him and I think if he wanted to, he could have killed Mace Windu. No problem. I think he could have killed him just as easily as he killed those other Jedi. And I think he is keeping this fight going because he needs Anakin to see Mace Windu try to kill him. Mm -hmm. And so he keeps this fight going because look, I mean, that's that shot there where he's holding the lightsaber up to Mace's Mace's chest to me that that suggests that he could have killed him right there but he's keeping the fight going he needs Anakin to see this and here's Anakin you know he's going to rush in and and he's and he, you know he's just arriving at where I am at uh he you know he's uh he needs Anakin to see that but then once he lets once he loses his lightsaber once he lets Mace take control of the fight that's when he gives up control and he just has mm-hmm. to trust that his, uh, his machinations, his, uh, his manipulating of Anakin will pay off the way he expects it to. Because I, I fully believe that you know if Anakin hadn't stepped in, Mace would have just killed Palpatine. He just would have killed it, and that would be it. That would be it. Thousands and thousands of years of, of Sith-planning. Out the window, literally, (laughs) if Anakin doesn't step in. But that's, you know, that's, I mean, that's the brilliance of Palpatine is one that he's able, he's willing to take such a risk, but also that he was able to, you know, make the ultimate gamble pay off. You know, he is risking his life and, you know, the legacy, his, not only his legacy, but the legacy of his, of Plagueis and, and all the Sith that came before him. Uh, You know, whether that, that, that goes, uh, you know however however far far back that goes whether it that's to you know Darth Bane or um you know sometime a little bit after before you know we don't know you know since since the, the EU was made legends it's you know still it's a little bit more ambiguous as to how far this uh this uh this goes back into when when exactly Darth Bane existed and and, and when the rule of 2 came into uh came into uh action because you know i mean just to just to get uh you know just to go into star Wars lore for a second here, you know, in, in the old EU, uh, you know, about a thousand years before Phantom Menace, uh, that's when Darth Bane was around and that's when he created the rule of two and, and everything that happened, uh, from Bane until Palpatine, that was all one big, long, long game that was played by the Sith. But just the impression that I've gotten from the the more recent, uh, canon in 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 star wars is that they're going a little bit of a different route because even just on rebels that uh sith temple that on malachor has uh you know it it has to be opened by by two people you know always two there are only you know there can only ever be two uh and and so it's it's that same uh it's that same idea that there are only ever two uh uh, there's only a master and and an apprentice so I, i i don't think uh I I don't know how far back the plan this plan goes, but we we do know that the Sith were in hiding for a long time. But I I just I, I just got I just went into Star Wars lore over uh, you know one of the most important scenes in the saga here. So uh, you know Palpatine unlimited power.
0: <laughs> well, this is interesting in itself because again Palpatine seems to be ticking off a number of boxes. But I can remember in the Plagueis novel about this idea of. Uh, being hit with your own force lightning it, it, yes, it deforms your face and it clearly reveals the, the your true self it certainly reveals Palpatine's true self in that moment uh-huh. um, but it, it's it, in a way it's supposed to make him more powerful and so that line unlimited power it, it, it does perhaps ring true to the what plague has taught him um and so you know being having his own lightning deflected onto him. Uh, again helped him in a way but the Uh point of the scene was not just about that it was about turning Anakin and in that moment Anakin has clearly crossed the line from Jedi to Uh to Sith not fully not fully but uh, he's certainly um, accepted uh, turning to the dark side as as the only objective well the only alternative really at this stage uh-huh. he's abandoned the jedi now yeah
1: and, and there's and just you know the the idea of palpatine you know, you know feeling that 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 ultimate power you know just the way the way they the way that they um they were they um, modulated ian mcdermott's voice in this scene it, it's almost reminiscent of the father or Mother Talzin from the Clone Wars, right? Where mm-hmm. you almost get that like sense that he is speaking with the authority of a thousand years worth of uh, of, of Sith, or, or thousands of years worth of, of of history, all in all in this one scene. It's just it's it's all it, it does kind of have that like secondary voice to it, and it, it's it's yeah. it's so uh, it, it, you know you really get a sense that in this moment this is the most powerful Palpatine. Ever feels like this is the greatest day of his life,
0: yeah, and it certainly speaks back to that ancient tradition. And it's, I, I didn't even think about the Mother in reference, that's that's a very good uh, comparison to make. Um, well, I, yeah, you know, I think it speaks to where you know Palpatine is at this point, he is probably. The most powerful being in the galaxy now at this time.
1: Yeah, and you know, like those those he
0: speaks with that authority.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you look. Yeah, the two characters that the uh, two other characters that we've heard that from, the father and mother Talzin, are, are two hugely powerful, uh, powerful characters. And you know, Palpatine's always been the most powerful, and he's always had the uh, potential to be the most powerful, but he's kind of been keeping that in check to keep himself hidden from the Jedi. You know, he's been mm-hmm. using all of his energy to cloud. The Jedi's vision, so that they can't sense that he is who who he who he is, and it's only in this moment where he where he finally convinces Anakin to turn, and he embraces this full potential of the dark side. That we we get that that audio cue that he is now at his most powerful.
0: Yeah, I'm just just re listening to his words here about calling him lord vader and and, oh, and, yeah. and sending anakin on, on his tasks now it's just, it's yeah. just
1: such a good scene it, it's so it, it's so well done and, and, and i i love that he does kind of you know he does kind of give anakin this reality check here when he says you know every single jedi including your friend obi-wan kenobi is now an enemy of the republic you know it is this uh you know sort of reality check that you know Anakin has turned to the dark side and and he it was a very in the moment decision it was a an um oh what's the right word a emotional spur of the moment um I, there's a word c it, it'll come to me later. But yeah. I mean
0: it's a word that I, I don't know either, so yeah. I, I, I I can offer very little input. Yeah, but it's it, it, uh, it I know what you mean. It's a spare in the moment yeah, decision. Yeah, He
1: hasn't thought it through, you know. He he hasn't sort of sat there thinking about it. And so he you know, he he may he hasn't faced those the realities of what it of what it comes with. And in this moment where he has committed himself to it and he has made that decision to turn, uh he does think about you know he's he's not thinking about obi-wan but palpatine brings that up now when anakin uh you know this is that's maybe maybe it might almost be a an, another test that mm-hmm. you know here we have i'm get, uh, 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 from palpatine's point of view of yeah here's here's anakin he's committed now i just need to make sure uh, let's see how he reacts when i bring up obi-wan and well Obi- exactly
0: i mean it's a, it's a it's a visceral reaction really isn't it based on deep emotions rather than intellects. that's what he's going for here. That, that's, that's what Palpatine is playing um, with. You know, he's playing with Anakin's emotions rather than saying to Anakin, this is actually what's happening. He's saying, this will help you save Padme. This is why the Jedi are evil because of you know, the fact that they're against the Republic. You know, even though earlier in the film we've seen that Padme was even questioning whether fighting for the Republic was the right thing yeah. because of what it's become. <laughs> Yeah, uh, But here we go. This is the big Order, scene, Dominic. Order up.
1: 66.
0: And how, how our perceptions of this scene will have changed after seeing the Order 66 arc from the Clone Wars. We know now that this wasn't a decision made out of free will. This was a genetic chip programmed into the minds of these clones that activated it's, once uh, Palpatine said those words. It's the ultimate... But it makes it ever more tragic, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's the ultimate tragedy. I mean, you know, you look at Cody, you know, Cody is someone we did spend a, a good amount of time with in the Clone Wars. You know, he was a character that you know we we saw him like we, we followed him on, on missions with Rex and you know he was a good guy. He was he was one of the you know he was one of the best clones and then all of a sudden and he goes from joking with Obi-Wan to just a second later shooting on him. I mean, that, like that is, that is tragic. That is, you know, it's, it's brutal. It's, it's, it, it's incredibly, uh, you know, to have watched these characters and, you know, I would have loved to have seen how Rex reacted to order 66. What exactly happened? Did Rex take out his, uh, his, uh, his chip? I don't know. We don't know. Um, it, but it would have been so interesting to see how the series handled this with some of the clones that we did get to know, like Cody. I mean, that, that was a good thing that the series did, bringing in Cody so early on, you know, making him be one of those characters that we followed on the show. So when he, he did turn, it was all the more impactful. Hmm. And here's, here's Dave Filoni's least favorite scene, Plo Koon, being shot down by, <laughs> by, his, uh, by his clone troopers, although we know. Not by Commander Wolf who made it out mm-hmm. made it out alive uh good for good for wolf uh but I, I also i do love the you know the the Yoda stuff that's that's kind of uh intercut here as well where he's sensing these uh these deaths through the force it's it's that you know it, you know it, it's a it, it really set a, a good precedent and I'm glad that they you know, did something similar that they basically called back to the, that scene in The Force Awakens when when Leia sensed Han's death, you know, like that was, you know, you can talk about how it's it's similar to to Obi-Wan, uh, to Obi-Wan uh, sensing Alderaan, but you actually see Leia react the same way that you actually see Yoda react. So I, I, I at the very least, in my mind, it's a callback to Order 66, uh, yeah. more so than Alderaan.
0: I mean, also, uh, in, in that moment, a lot of People talk about how it shows, you know, Yoda can obviously feel the presence of the Jedi. All die, mm-hmm. and oh my god, I'm just watching the big pig scene <laughs> of uh, Anakin and, and the Younglings. Oh, um, oh. I, I always think of that robot chicken sketch in mind when Anakin <laughs> just pictures them all in this
1: uh, pic,
0: picturesque version of the, him just chopping off flowers, and, um, then, and, then, he, and then he brings, home, serious brings moment. But. and then he
1: brings them home and splay, leaves their corpses on the table yeah. for Padme. <laughs> I yeah, brought not, you, not, I brought you home some flowers. Oh, that's lovely. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean that, that, that that's that's, that's a I, I mean that's a brutal brutal scene in the movie and and just such a you know you, you almost can't believe they went there.
0: Yeah, that was, it was, it was an extremely dark place to go under. And, uh, you know, people will say, well, we didn't see it. But I can remember in uh, the end of season four when uh, Darth Maul returned and he went to the planet with Savage. And it was a very similar moment where you didn't see the action being performed. But you saw, you know, in the scene at the end of season four, you saw Maul's red lightsaber drawn to those small children of the town. Uh-huh. Same way with Anakin. Uh, yeah. You see in the temple, well, he draws his and, lightsaber and, to that poor child. He's like, "Master Skywalker, there are too many. What are we going to do?"
1: And and this is going to sound com- completely <laughs> hypocritical, given my my criticism of the Rebels season two finale. But I, it, I I do kind of think in that scene, it's almost better that we didn't see him actually uh, kill them. I think having it be implied yeah. uh, was more than enough. And and I don't know what actually seeing him run the lightsaber through the kid. Would have actually added to that scene I, I think it it you know cutting away from it you know just just implying it is enough you know it showing that happen would have probably be probably been taking it too far the way it as it is it's it's sort of on the edge of you know what you expect to see in star wars you know you you know in star wars you do it you know you understand that characters die, but sometimes uh what you need is a uh, uh, but sometimes what is a uh, Yes but but you don't you don't expect to see little kids die you know that's sort of one of those things that's kind of kind of off limit off limits yeah. and so to to imply it in such a such an obvious way uh, was real we're really really pushes the line but but I, I think this is the movie of all movies where you needed to do that
0: you needed mm. it was to, impactful wasn't it and oh, yeah, it shows you because, because where an- Anakin's character has now gone mm-hmm.
1: and Anakin's turn here this hor- all these horrible things that he is doing This sets the stage for everything that comes afterwards. You need to understand just how terrible he became, just how awful a person Darth Vader truly, truly is, you know, so that during the original trilogy, you know, the rebellion makes a lot more sense. You know, it it makes sense that, you know, that these, these are the type of people that they are fighting against. They, They are the people who will murder little children, Um. You know, just because they represent a potential threat to them, and then even again, Force Awakens. You know, Kylo Ren is uh, looking up to Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader, and and you know, f- I will finish what you started. Uh, essentially, saying he wants to continue along the same path that that Anakin was on, and that includes murdering little children. You know, that's the kind of person. You know, it lets you know what kind of person Kylo Ren is. That he um, that he would. Have, because of the fact that he admires someone who killed children, who killed little yeah. children. So it's, 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 it's such an important scene. It's such an important, you can't, uh, you know, you had to show it because of, of its implications for the rest of the the rest of the saga.
0: Hmm. Huge implications. And, uh, and and another character of interest, kind of moving away a little bit from Anakin, that, that I found at, the, at this point of the movie was Bayan Organa. And uh, we don't see much of Bail in the movies at all. We see him pop up here and there, and we kind of clue into um, his views on the war. But after watching the Clone Wars, Dominic, do you think it makes more sense that Bail would kind of lead this rebellion, or at least be some sort of overseer? And of course, we see we've seen him crop up in Rebels as well. Um, what would what you make of Bail or Ghana really taking the lead? In, in this movie of of the uh, rebellion,
1: yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. You know, Bale is a character in the prequels that I I, I feel like was was a bit underused, and I, and I think that's a bit unfortunate because uh, you know, as soon as we hear the name Organa, and this is again, this is coming at it from pe- as people that know the story that 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 have seen it in release order, we know uh, the the importance of that name and, and, and everything that that name carries and, and, and the significance of it. Um, but again, if you're watching it, one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, you, you, maybe you don't quite get that same, uh, sense that, that same feeling of, uh, of, you know, of this, uh, of of how important he is and and what his role truly is. And it maybe this, this whole, this kind of, this kind of thing kind of comes out of the blue a little bit. Uh, and so the clone wars does do a good job at, at expanding this. And, you know, some of those deleted scenes that were cut involved, uh, bail and, and, and Padme, uh, creating what would have been the rebel Alliance and, and what we wound up seeing on, uh, on clone wars was a, like a precursor to those
0: scenes hmm and it's a little bit frustrating that it was expanded a bit in the clone wars but maybe just not uh, as overtly as people would have liked because i mean i remember those episodes like senate murders in season two heroes on both sides in season three uh pursuit of peace you kind of that that little arc did center around uh padme but but bale played it played a prominent role as well in that mm-hmm. and you kind of you kind of saw where his allegiances lied it uh, showed that he was a good orator, um, and it showed that he really took the side of, of, of the peace, uh, uh, the peace plan, and you know, rather than an increase in, in, in the spending on, on uh, the manufacture of more clone troopers. So it does kind of show you where he's coming from, and it does make sense then when we look at his perspective, and sure. of course, Bayo's perspective then uh, is modelled onto Leia's. That's who Leia will become, really. It's, it's, you know, Bale sort of becomes the mentor figure for for Leia, which is an important thing to remember. But, you know, I I don't mind Bale, but I I don't really have much of an opinion on him personally because <laughs> I just don't see much of him. as the issue, and as you say, I feel like the name Morgana is associated greatly with uh, with Leia rather than Bale.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I do I do wish you know we'd gotten a little bit more development. Uh, from him you know he is one of those instances where it it, it almost seems like it was assumed that people had seen four five six before they were seeing one Mm -hmm. two three because he was because you know as soon as you say organa on the show or in the movies you know people are going to sit up a little bit because we know princess leia organa that's a that's an important we know this is an important character because he's going to you know play a huge role in shaping a another of the most important characters in the galaxy you know arguably you know you know top 2 or 3 you know with uh, with Luke and Vader so uh, she obviously you know we pay attention to him but i, I wonder you know it would be an interesting experiment to ask somebody who hadn't seen 456 5 6 to to say what they thought of bail and I, I do think the clone wars did a a better job at conveying this uh the the sense of of his uh of his importance and and his, you know, commitment to uh, to nonviolence, uh, but I, I still wish a, a little bit more had been done with him, both in the movies and on the series.
0: Hmm. Absolutely, and uh, I've just seen the scene of uh, Palpatine communicating with the uh, old Separatist Council there, mm-hmm. uh, as Anakin is is about to travel to Mustafar. He's on his way to Mustafar, and, and I do love the line. When Darth Vader arrives, he will take care of you. But, uh, (laughs) of course, Dominic, a bit like Utapal. Mustafar has uh, cropped up in the Clone Wars as well. If we go back to the the Children of the Force arc, uh, do you get a different interpretation or or impression now of uh, of Mustafar Mustafar, when you consider its uh, importance and significance earlier in the Clone Wars?
1: I I don't know. I I feel like Mustafar... Uh, Utapau, Utapau is very um it feels like it's it's populated it's a civilized planet there's there's lots of cities and and that sort of thing and uh, you know Mustafar feels very much like uh you know the worst part of the galaxy which it's supposed to is supposed to be you know you know not many people live there by choice you know in in Dark Disciple we do see that there is a a bit of a colony there of of miners but it's not hugely populated the way that Utapau is and you know we saw on the series that that you know it was kind of a place where there were hidden bases and you know black sun was there but they seemed to have been uh moved elsewhere and and uh palpatine had his little uh his weird little uh sith nursery there as well and so i
0: i mm.
1: you know it, because it is this like you know place in the galaxy that nobody wants to go i i can kind of i i can kind of justify it a little bit better in my mind whereas with the with Utapau and, and the other thing is, you know, in, in episode three, we get the sense that they've just recently moved to Mustafar. I mean, we know that they've just recently moved to Mustafar. We've seen we saw uh Palpatine give them the or give Grievous the order to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, uh, but whereas Mustafar whereas Utapau you get the sense they've been there for uh a while by the time of Revenge of the Sith. So, well, uh, I think
0: Mustafar is just interesting because it's a place that Palpatine knows. Mm-hmm. Um, you no, know, know, he knows about it. He's used it before, and he, and as you said, it's quite um, it's unpopulated. So sending them there to some sort of miners colony who's really gonna who's really gonna know about it? But I really want to talk about this scene as well, Dominic. I'd like to yeah. get your opinion of it, um, not just from a Clone Wars perspective, but a general uh star wars perspective the the juxtaposition of the scenes of palpatine pretty much dismantling the republic and re and remodeling it as as the empire or rebranding it <laughs> i should say as the empire and then obviously anakin killing the uh the separatist council a lot, members.
1: and also um obi-wan and yoda at the temple as well mm.
0: I mean, in general, what do you make of that scene and uh, and and really the impact of it, particularly uh, with the uh, with the background score as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a devastating scene. I mean, it it, it just or a sequence, I guess I should say. um, You know, to see, you know, we see Anakin has fully committed to the dark side. You know, if we look at Clone Wars, he he would have he would have captured these people. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have uh, uh, massacred them the way he does. He would have. He would have captured them. He would have arrested them. He would have rounded them up and and thrown them in jail. And and maybe you know maybe he would have used some uh, less than ethical uh, uh, methods for getting uh, information out of them, like you know choking them with the force or tapping into their minds the way that he does, the way that they do to Cad Bane in, in Clone Wars. Uh, but it, you know it shows how just how dark, he's gone. And I just saw, you know, Anakin just, the eye, the yellow eye, and, and how mm-hmm. evil that is. But it, 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 you also get, um, you know, equal, of equal importance, and, and pro- actually well, more importance is Palpatine reorganizing the Republic into the Empire, which is, you know, that is the, even more so than what, Anik- An- what Anakin's doing is tragic on a personal level. Uh, what palpatine is doing is is tragic on on a grand level, and he is mm. you know he's really you know as Pal, as Padme says this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause and you know it's it's a you know people complain about the the politics and the prequels but they that's a really powerful and important message that you know when you know when when the, when democracies turn into dictatorships it's very rarely without the support of the people. And and that's the, the genius of Palpatine's plan. And, and the clone wars did such a wonderful job of uh, expanding it into, you know, the way he turned the, the Jedi into, you know uh, the way he, he ruined their public perception so that people would be willing to believe that they were to blame for this. And then the fact that everybody cheers, the fact that he's, it's been turned into an empire mm. and, um, you know, I, and, you know, pa, pa, Padme's scene there, it's such a powerful scene and and I I really would have rather that they have have had uh, like you said those deleted scenes should have been in the, in there because the way it plays as a movie it, you know she really comes across as very passive like she didn't do anything other than ask Anakin to to try and stop mm. this and she didn't really do anything when really you know the Padme that we saw in 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 the other movies and in the Clone Wars she would not have have sit by and, and let this happen she would have fought uh, fought this tooth and nail and and, and you know. She, Obviously, she wouldn't have been successful at it. You know, this is just how 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 powerful Palpatine is, and obviously, Anakin turning to the dark side doesn't help things. But it, it would would have been interesting to see if Padme could have survived past Revenge of the Sith. What she would have done, what role she would have played with um, with the rebellion, and and what she would have. What she would have obviously, she would have added a lot. She would have been a huge, a, a major figurehead up there with Bale and and Mon Mothma and people like that. But it, you know, and, and it, it's just kind of unfortunate. The, you know, there's so much going on in this movie, and and that that character, that Padme, who really was the, the main character in the Phantom Menace, had to be pushed to the sidelines in in such a way.
0: Mm. And here's the scene with uh, Obi Wan. Uh, yeah, I, I, trying to trying to convince Padme, or are you not quite on? Well, that I, I,
1: I ju- I'm just getting there now, but I love, I I love this whole this whole sequence and how it connects to Rebels. And you know, one of the things that was talked about on Rebels this season was how much does Ahsoka know? Does she believe that Anakin is Darth Vader? Can she accept that? And you know, when you look at at both Obi Wan and Padme's reaction to it, they both they both. Know that it's possible. They both believe it, but they don't want mm. to, and they need that conclusive proof. And so for for Obi Wan, he you know he has to look at the security hologram, and you know Obi and Yoda warns him like you know. Yoda warns him, you know, you know what you're going to see there. You don't need to see that. That that's just going to cause you more pain. But Obi-Wan says, No, I I have to see this. I I if I don't see this with my own eyes, then I I then there will always be that doubt. And so he has to see it. And then he goes to Padme in this like last-ditch plea for help to try and stop Anakin. And she she uh you know she can't really you know she can't believe it either. That's why she goes to Mustafar. And whether whether Obi Wan's intentions were to to go to this, what what he was hoping for to get out of this this meeting with Padme, whether it was for her to go with him or for her, her to just tell him where Anakin is, or if maybe he knew that that would be her reaction as well and that she she would lead him there and he would follow her.
0: Um, well, Obi-Wan knew that Padme was the person to go to and uh-huh. and it's been implied in the Clone Wars, particularly in the Clovis arc, when he has the, the chat Obi-Wan does with, with Anakin um, in some sort of study room, uh, where when Obi-Wan kind of relates to the fact that Satine and Obi-Wan had something similar to you know, what Anakin and Padme are going through. Um, but... As you rightly say there, I think the the denial aspect is always going to be there. And Ahsoka obviously went through it in Rebels when she had to go to the Jedi Temple to get the confirmation that she needed. Uh Um, But uh, Anakin at this point has gone to a completely dark place. And, um, you know, it makes sense that Padme would go out to try and see if it's true or not. You know, last time she spoke spoke with him, Anakin seemed fine. He was going to Mustafar to kill off the Separatist leaders. Mm-hmm. Not to yeah. be someone's evil apprentice.
1: Yeah, and I mean um Anakin, you know, when we next see Anakin, he is literally uh in hell. You know, he is in this this mm-hmm. hellish landscape where he is looking at out at fire and, and lava and, and any descriptions that we have from from uh you know of, of various underworlds from various mythologies, they they tend to all revolve around that sort of imagery. And and so that, that imagery is very powerful. And in that moment, he has that, the tear down his face and he knows that what he's done is wrong. And that he, I think he recognizes in that moment where he is, that what he has done is, uh, is, is horrible and, and that he has done the wrong thing. He made the wrong choice, but he, he doesn't think that there's any out for him he doesn't think that there's a way out for him and if you if you've played the revenge of the sith video game uh, of all places uh where an- during the fight between anakin and obi-wan you know o- obi-wan they they stop and talk to each other a few times and and you know maybe they shot some of this stuff and it wound up being cut or maybe it was in the script and they just decided not to go with it uh, but Obi-Wan says to Anakin, you know, come back uh, and, and, you know, atone for what you've done, basically, and I can help you. I can help you, um, you know, get through this, you know, that they're there, you know, you're not completely lost. And Anakin doesn't believe him. And, and, you know, Anakin, I think Anakin recognizes that maybe his only path to redemption now is death. But that was what he was trying to avoid the whole time was to avoid death. So he either has to commit to this dark path in this moment the way he has or he is, he's basically going to live his life trying to uh, atone for what he's done. And he ultimately, you know, he he ultimately chooses to, uh, to try it, to to commit to the path, uh, which as we know is the, is the wrong choice because once you, once you start down the dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny
0: and consume it? You will be. So, yeah, I mean, uh, here, here, comes the the confrontation, or the or yeah, how it kind of starts out with Padme now going to to Mustafar, and I think after you've watched the Clone Wars, Dominic, I don't know what you necessarily think about this, and I'd be interested to get your opinion. But this seems to be a bit of a culmination effect. We, we alluded to it earlier, but there are trust issues, aren't there, between Anakin and Padme, yeah. and, and that's been seen throughout. The course of the Clone Wars, and uh, you know, where we look at the Clovis arc, or, or that line that we talked about in *Dark Disciple*, in, in the second part of the novel, when um, Padme compares Voss and Asajj's relationship to um, Padme and Anakin's, and there seems to be perhaps a bit of foresight or foreshadow there. But um, th- th- this scene here, when when Obi Wan's about to walk down the platform do you think it, it it falls in line with what we've seen throughout the clone wars
1: yeah i, I think it does you know I, you know, you mentioned the the clovis arc earlier you know that that arc you know really i think foreshadows this in a lot of ways because anakin is ultimately he's 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 abusive of padme you know he, he uses the force to choke her i mean that's that's, I mean that's the, the Sith dark side version of of domestic uh, d- uh, domestic abuse you know he he's not a a good person anymore and and you know we got senses we got a sense in that clovis arc that he was that that that, that this was the path that he was going down and you know we we've, we've talked about before that you know Anakin and Padme's relationship is is one that only only seems to exist when when there's conflict around them, that they are each other's, you know, source of uh, of, of everything feeling all right. You know, they, they look to each other when things go wrong. And, and But when things are calm, that's when things fall apart and things are calm. I mean, that's the weird thing about this. And, and I, I meant to bring this up in the Obi-Wan Padme scene. But if you look outside her apartment, like... It's people are just going on, going about their day to day lives. Like people haven't quite realized yet the full extent of what a galactic empire means, or of what a Sith empire means, and, and they haven't realized it yet. And so there's this like there is this kind of calm that that the war is over, everything is is over, and and now you know we get that that you know they they don't ha- they don't they aren't going to run to each other anymore because there isn't that that conflict that is so emot- emotionally disturbing. To each other that they look for somebody else to to help them get through it and as a result their own immers- emo- emotional problems and and disturbances come forward especially on the part of anakin uh, mm. most clearly on the part of, uh, all, all, more uh, almost entirely on the part of anakin um you know uh, even i mean uh, I'll just say it, entirely on the part of Anakin, <laughs> and he winds up, uh, winds up, you know, killing her, killing her, basically, even though you know she was alive, as he would later claim.
0: Mm. And, and so, and there we go. The, the The prophecy has come true because Anakin acted out to attempt to stop the vision. Yeah, which is and, 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 you know self fulfilling prophecy, really.
1: And and, and that was. You know, one of the things I, I was trying, one of the points I was trying to make by bringing up Yoda's quote earlier, that you know, he tells Ahsoka many possible futures there are, that like you need to you need to take these visions as, you know, as a potential future, as as something to to keep an eye out for. Um, you know, how you act on them could, you know, he's implying that how you act on them could determine what they what they are, but when he tells Anakin to basically just let things be, I don't think he conveys the same message um it, it it's a you know and, it, and as a result Anakin doesn't want to listen to him he's looking for a more active uh more active answer now I don't think Anakin would have listened to Yoda at all. I think you know he went to Yoda looking for answers, but he was also looking for a very particular answer and and Yoda wasn't going to give him that answer. Obi Wan wasn't going to give him that answer. The only person who would give him that answer is Palpatine.
0: Hmm. And uh, I, I'm on the part now, Dominic, where Anakin is uh, proclaiming his his new empire, yeah. the existence of it. Um, <laughs>
1: the duel. The uh, this is you know what the what the prequel trilogy was building towards was this ultimate. There was this showdown between master and apprentice between you know two best friends and you know it it is it's it's it it is even more impactful i think with um the clone wars having seen that
0: yeah it, it certainly is and you know for from everything that anakin's been through um and particularly during the clone wars with you know the loss of a at the end um i mean to, so what degree could you argue that the, the the Jedi have pushed Anakin to to kind of think this way, to have this outlook of, you know, the Jedi are evil, which is what he'll proclaim later, and that the Empire and the Republic is the good thing here, really? Mm-hmm. I mean, over the course of the of, of the Clone Wars, the, you know, the, the series, do you think there are instances where you can see... Anakin perhaps wanting more or, or uh, displaying this this kind of power, this drive for power almost.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the Jedi do kind of, they, they really, they never knew how to handle this kid. They never knew how to handle the chosen one. And as a result, they, they did everything wrong with him, basically. With maybe the one exception being giving him a, a Padawan. You know that that uh, Ahsoka may have been their their one good move for Anakin, and ultimately, ultimately he, uh, he, he ultimately they they ruined that too by by not trusting her and and, and getting too involved in the politics of the war and, and not following their own moral codes and their own ethics. So you know it, it is a, you know the Jedi. I do think the Jedi are, are very much to blame for what happened to Anakin. Now, I, I want to bring something else up with, uh, with Anakin and Obi-Wan. Do, do you think that maybe, and, and I'm sort of thinking back to the Clone Wars, do you think that maybe uh, Obi-Wan had a better, and Obi-Wan's perception of his friendship with Anakin was a lot better than Anakin's perception of his friendship with Obi-Wan? Because Obi Wan has known him his entire life, he watched him grow up. He, ha- he but he was also the mentor figure. He also had to be tough on Anakin, and even after they were out of the traditional uh, mentor apprentice uh, uh, roles, even when they were technically equals. Uh, although I guess Obi Wan was on the council, so maybe they weren't. They weren't exactly equals, but they were. They were a lot closer. It was always Obi Wan who was the one. Who was still giving advice to Anakin? He was still giving advice to Anakin, and and maybe Anakin perceived that as as a bit uh, as frustrating as as you know that Obi Wan still didn't trust him even after everything that they had been through, and, and so then you know Obi Wan perceives them to be great friends because he he thinks he's he's helping Anakin, and they and they do they have a lot of good times, they have a lot of laughs, but uh, in the back of Anakin's mind, there's always this sense of. You know, he still looks at me like I'm a Padawan. He still doesn't trust me. And so, you know, you look at how, you know, Anakin's last words to Obi-Wan are, I hate you. Whereas Obi-Wan's last words to Anakin are, you know, you were my brother, I loved you. Uh, And then in A New Hope, you know, when Obi-Wan is thinking about Anakin, you know, he says he was, you know, he's a good pilot, a cunning warrior and a good friend. And just, I mean, you know, obviously Sir Alec Guinness had no way of knowing the the specifics of the backstory uh when he played that scene but just the way he does and the way he reflects there's this such a sense of like a, a wistfulness and, and a desire to go back to those old days and and he he you know he and maybe maybe even a little hint of regret at uh you know the way things ended and you know whether you want you know, to you know however you want to read that scene but it, it, it does get this. You do get the sense maybe that that Obi Wan had a better, um, better sense of. Uh, uh, he felt their relationship was a lot better than Anakin ever did.
0: I think Obi Wan understood Anakin better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Ahsoka, uh, you know, Bar Ahsoka. You know, when you look at some of the instances in the Clone Wars, whether it was uh, you know in season two with with Mandalore and um, you know, in season six. When in the Clovis arc, when everyone talks about the relationship between him and Satine and he kind of compares it. I think he's trying to empathize with Anakin and say, look, I understand what you and Padme are going through. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also the slave arc with the uh, Zygerian arc where he talks about Anakin's past as a a slave. And he kind of recognizes that it's going to be hard for Anakin to accept uh, what these Zigerians do. And that Anakin will be driven by emotions. He realizes Anakin's a very emotional character and and to follow on from that, the Hardeen arc in particular, when Obi-Wan uh has to hide to Anakin about his death because he wanted to portray it as as, as real as possible. Yeah, Obi-Wan understands Anakin, but that's not to say how he acts with Anakin doesn't fuel the fire of uh, <laughs> anakin's perception of obi-wan sure you know I, I, I look at mortis as well when anakin does sort of turn to the dark side um and he just kind of foregoes it all and you know anakin's real mentor in a way yes it was obi-wan but it was qui-gon i think it was mm. qui-gon who, yeah. who was the one who brought him to the temple who stood up to him you know, in a Phantom Menace, Obi-Wan was like, why are you training, you know, why are we bringing on another pathetic life form, is what he said, <laughs> didn't he, on Tatooine? Yeah. You know, I, 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 I think sometimes Obi-Wan's view of Anakin is skewed. Um, but, and I think he does understand Anakin, but I don't know if he necessarily responds or reacts to Anakin the way Anakin would like Obi-Wan to. So mm. whilst he understands him, it doesn't mean... That um, his words match his actions. I think that that that's part of the issue with Obi One. Um, you know, he always looks at it from a certain perspective, but it doesn't mean it's the right perspective. But I mean, when you look at this this battle between Obi One and Anakin, this duel, it is so fueled with emotions, and you know, the the kind of lava when it erupts, oh yeah, almost represents that, doesn't it? Really, the the kind of intense nature of the. Uh, Of the duel. But I just want to ask you a question, Dominic, and this is kind of going a little bit away from Anakin and Obi-Wan and back to Yoda. Sure. Because Yoda tackles Sidious, doesn't he? He goes Mm -hmm. to find him and and looks to try and kill him. Um, Can you maybe draw uh, comparisons to to Yoda from the uh, the, the arc of season six, the Yoda arc? Ah. I mean, we talked a lot about in that uh, roundtable how Yoda has seen another path the, the the war is lost, but he doesn't he doesn't follow through it with that you know idea a bit like what I talked about with Obi Wan. It does not match with action. He wants to fight uh-huh. the Sith to get rid of them. What does that tell you perhaps about Yoda's uh, character or the trajectory of his character at this point? Yes, he kind of went through the trials, but is he ready? Is he? He's not quite the Empire Strikes Back Yoda, yet, is he? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I mean it's it's interesting because the the you have to wonder what in the Yoda arc what the, the that journey is. Is it to accepting a a, a journey of nonviolence or or is that the, is that the answer? Because you know one of the interesting things about Star Wars is that you know there is a a, a very um, you know a, a a message of of sort of, of pacifism and and uh, and and nonviolence and that sort of thing with what happens with Luke and and you know appealing to people on on, on their humanity. But the but by that same token, it, you know that that wouldn't be possible without the lightsaber duel and without the fact that the Rebel Alliance was attacking outside. So it's it, it's kind of an interesting contradiction in Star Wars. And and so I, I feel like Yoda's uh, you know whether or not he. You know, whether or not he really follows through on it you know he it's you know, he says open to us a path remains that yet unknown to the Sith and I feel like it's that it what it what it ultimately comes down to is you have to be open to death and and or at least in the Star Wars galaxy you know they have to be open to death they have to be open to becoming one with the force that when you try when when the Sith they try to prolong their lives and 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 that's what will ultimately be their downfall because that that's what they're trying to do is, is 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 just that and you know palpatine is kind of doing that with with vader you know he he doesn't re- he doesn't think vader is an effective uh enforcer anymore so he he needs somebody to be out there doing his bidding he can't be doing that himself so he he kind of gets overconfident and he tries to do the same thing but kind of a, a almost a lazy version with luke and and so he doesn't uh he doesn't ever really you know he he he, he, he fear he still fears death and, and he but he where am I going with this <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, he you know but, but what Yoda and, and obi-wan have is is this advantage of uh, almost like a peace of mind that there that there are other options there are other ways for for them to go about that, that doesn't mean they can't still try the more traditional. I don't know. I don't, you know, that is, you know, that is, that kind of is the ultimate contradiction of star Wars, right? Is that, you know, the, the way to, the way to peace is, is through, through love. Uh, You know, that's how Anakin, uh, uh, that's how Luke appeals to Vader or to Anakin, I should say. But by that same token, I mean, the, the rebel Alliance can't win the war without, blowing up the second death star without being involved in that uh in that uh that space battle and I, and I think that's you know always been one of George Lucas's things is that it's it's never one way or the other necessarily there's always it's always somewhere in the middle uh and and you know he, he even you look at the prequels uh you, you know pa- Padme kind of kind of suggests this that, you know to Anakin when they're talking about the political system you know Padme says you know, Anakin sort of lays out this this situation where everyone should just agree it should just be one way whereas Padme is is trying to you know convey to him that they are trying to uh do the right thing but then you know you're also you know the film's also make you aware that even though there are senators trying to do the right thing there are bad senators but then there are bad senators and there are good senators and and you know there's never you know it, I think it all comes down to the line: only a Sith deals in absolutes, and that there are no absolutes, and and, and you have to kind of accept that. And, and, and that I think ultimately is maybe the message of the Yoda arc.
0: Hmm. And that, that was a, mean, that was, uh, a, that, was a, that
1: was a long walk to get there, <laughs> and <laughs> it kind of went down the wrong street for a while there too, and, and stuff. But yeah,
0: down the down the wrong path you have gone, Dominic. Yeah, um, but we got but, there. We
1: got there in the end. <laughs>
0: But speaking of absolutes, I mean Anakin speaking of a lot of absolutes in this sequence oh. here when he talks about the Jedi plotting to take over. You underestimate my power, and, and, then, uh, and now now he's burning you. to a pulp, basically, isn't yeah. he? That's 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 penance for you, isn't it? Really, for everything he's done in a very short space of time. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, this is. I think this is probably the scene that made this film, or cemented it being a PG thirteen or a, or a twelve. Oh, yeah. But uh, it was needed, wasn't it? And it, it kind of shows you, uh, uh, it visibly showcases Anakin's turn, Just his fall to the dark side. We talked about how uh, the deflected lightning on Palpatine managed to kind of remove his mask and reveal his true guides. And with Anakin now, the true guise is there. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it really does show how far he's fallen and it talks about how obi-wan perceives the relationship you and my brother anakin i loved you and uh it's it's gone away now it's all it's all it's all, dis- it's all dissipated for anakin so i guess I'll, I'll ask you dominic it's a sort of reflective question looking now uh you know where anakin is at this stage he's now becoming Darth vader the suit is about to be put on him uh, yeah, what what in your mind is the key factor from the clone wars time period that has led Anakin to this path. Is it, say, the loss of Ahsoka? Is it, um, you know, the kind of Padme relationship and 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 Clovis and how that all, you know, worked out? You know, what about the distrust with the Jedi and arcs like the the Rako Hardine? Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what do you think? What was the chief one for you? Well, I know they all had a part to play. Yeah, but they the... all
1: had a. They, ultimately, it's it's the distrust of the Jedi, and I think that is best embodied. By Ahsoka leaving, I think that represents uh, to to Anakin the ultimate, you know, the ultimate uh, betrayal of, of of trust. Of you know that that this idea that the Jedi, who you know, are supposed to be the good guys, that they were so willing to give up on one of their own so easily, and and you know, Anakin obviously he has the attachment issue, and so he's going to be uh extra sensitive when this is about Ahsoka. Um but, you know, when that happened and, and she was sent away, you get this uh you know, that that's really the I think the moment in the series where it's kind of the turning point, you know, any any progress that Anakin had made away from the dark path. And it's debatable how much progress he actually made because he was still doing things like choking Poggle the Lesser. And he was kind of flippant about death at times with the, you know, the whole that the guy on the on the on the Mandalore, uh the the Mandalore Titanic ship uh, thing and, and, and Voyage of Temptation. Yeah, you, know? you know, choked
0: Rush Clovis,
1: choked Rush Clovis. You know, he was still he still had a lot of those dark side Elements, but with Ahsoka, you could kind of see him maybe beginning to move away uh, from them uh, at times. Well, while, while at other times being driven much, much more towards it. So, uh, you know, I think Ahsoka was maybe a bit of a balancing act for him. Uh, and so, when she was taken away, or she chose to go away, I think we should we should we should make that that difference because that's a crucial difference. I think that was the moment uh, for Anakin where his you know that was the turning point to where I he he began to really feel that he couldn't trust the Jedi, but but how about you? What do you, what do you think of what do you think was the the moment in the series?
0: Yeah, I mean everyone of course will go to to the, the loss of Ahsoka, but um, I I wouldn't want to underestimate the the role of of somebody like uh, Rush Clovis and Palpatine. I think you know Palpatine continuously pushing. Uh, this idea, this notion that the Jedi are are, not, are untrustworthy, um, and I think there were just so many instances um, of it in action. So I do agree that the distrust of the Jedi is the chief the chief factor, and I think that was embodied, as you say, in the loss of Ahsoka, but you know also the way in which the Jedi reacted to Anakin when he was with Rush Clovis, the way in which they covered up the the Hardeen, uh uh-huh. issue and um, yeah, there are just so many instances where you can look at experiences in the Clone Wars where, you know, for Rex for example, I think the Umbara arc is a massive turning point in his arc's development okay. um, I, I think that's what really drives Rex away from this idea of just following orders and I mean, that, that perhaps, this is probably more conjecture and speculation at this point one can only extrapolate but uh it, Obviously, Ahsoka and Rex are still around at this point, and they don't know what's going on with Anakin and Obi-Wan, but uh, you know, what, what do you think would be their perspectives on, on what's going on, on the political scene at least? I mean, I, I'd like to think they'd be aware that either Order 66 was in action or Palpatine, uh, you know, the proclamation of the Galactic Empire. What do you think their reactions would be?
1: Yeah, I, I do wonder about that because, you know, Order 66, it would have been really interesting to maybe see Rex be, be with Ahsoka when Order 66 was called. And, and that she could maybe appeal to him as, I'm not a Jedi, you don't have to do this. And, and that could be what breaks through the spell of the inhibitor chip. Um. Uh, or the chip, you know, the chip that that contains Protocol sixty six. You know, it, 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 I think that that would be the would would maybe be what happened. But I, I think you know, they have to be aware of what's going on, and I have to be. I think they they both think of it as a great tragedy that this this has happened, and and you know, Ahsoka probably did have to run from some clones who who didn't understand the difference between you know what she, between a Jedi and between her. And so I I think, uh, you know, if Rex had his chip taken out before this and he just had to witness what happened, I mean, that would be even, uh, almost be even more tragic of, you know, he, he was able to save himself, but not all his brothers and all of his brothers became, you know, just the, the worst, the worst of the worst. And, and, and so I, 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 I would love to see what happened. I, I, you know, they both. I'm sure they were both aware of Order Sixty Six and the rise of the Empire and all that stuff. But um the, the specifics is a is a story that uh, I hope one day will be told. I definitely, I definitely do hope that that's a story that that they have uh, they have plans for. Um,
0: well, there's been a lot of allusions to it, hasn't there? Yeah. Particularly in Rebels, actually. Oh, for sure. As to what happened in the lead up to Revenge of the Sith, whether it would be. When um, Ahsoka talks to Anakin, uh, uh, talks to Ezra about the last time she saw Anakin, and actually in the season finale, without again giving too much away, but uh, you know, what makes a couple of references of saying, "You know, running away again, Lady Tano." Yeah, I, which, which lent, you know, suggests that those two did meet in the Clone Wars and that must have been around the time of the Battle of Mandalore yeah. because well, I, I think, uh, Ahsoka never ran into Maul. Uh, yeah, from what th- we've seen in th- the think Clone Wars.
1: From, from stuff Dave Filoni has said that that final arc of the Clone Wars where Anakin did run off to save the Chancellor would have involved Ahsoka and Maul in a big way.
0: There you go. So that I like the little references they they're having to that particular arc, and it makes makes me believe that that story will crop up at some point, whether it be comic book form or whether it would be expanded on in the uh, lines in, in in Rebels. But we'll have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. But we are we are coming to the end of the movie. Amazingly, yeah. it has actually gone very quick. But um, I mean, when, uh, perhaps just to consider the landmark at this point. This is when, of course, um, Vader is born. And, and sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good impression. And and when, of course, Bale, Yoda and Obi-Wan go their separate ways. But, um, I mean, a couple of quick questions related to the Clone Wars, I guess. I mean, number one, Yoda's now going to talk to Obi-Wan about this uh, uh, training that, of course, is, uh, sorry, uh, Yoda's already embarked on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so is Obi-Wan in a way. Because this is the time. Do you think that uh, when Yoda talks about Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan is going back to the events of Mortis and thinking, "Qui-Gon, that was him." Yeah, was really- well,
1: I, I, abs- I absolutely do believe that that this, you know, you know, when the when the movie was made, the Qui-Gon remark, obviously, we we thought that was sort of just him being surprised at being able to hear. Uh, yeah that 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 he could still commune with his old master but now having seen the clone wars you know that surprise can be sort of oh my god that actually happened that was you know that wasn't just uh some kind of weird uh some kind of weird fever dream vision type thing because you know that you know I go back to that line where anakin says to Yoda something to the effect of you know obi-wan doesn't believe in in what happened you know he doesn't he thought it was just a vision or something when in reality, they were talking to, to Qui-Gon. And I think when Obi-Wan actually, uh, you know, I I don't think Obi-Wan has necessarily begun the training. And I think that training is something he's going to have to do over the next uh, 19 years on Tatooine. Uh, but I I do think a big part of that is going to be coming to terms with what happened on Mustafar and and what happened to his friends and trying to, uh, trying to, to have to live with that. you know, That's something Obi-Wan has to live with. That's the tragedy of, of Obi-Wan Kenobi is, is he has to live with the knowledge that he failed and there's nothing more he can do about it and, except wait until Anakin's son is, is ready, or Anakin's daughter, I suppose, uh, it, um, is, is ready to uh, take on uh, what was once his mission that he failed at.
0: Absolutely, and uh, I guess the final question to ask, which is kind of linked on to the finale in terms of the the end montage of what we've seen linked to the Clone Wars, the Death Star. We see it for the first time, and we see the big three on that, Star Destroyer, Palpatine, Tarkin, and and Vader. So a couple of references there, of course, to the the Utapau arc. (laughs) Palpatine was trying to procure a crystal which could be used in the construction of the Death Star, but uh, also Tarkin. And, um, I mean, Tarkin's character in the Clone Wars I think is very interesting as well, particularly his interaction with Ahsoka in that final arc. Um, I mean, do you feel like you learnt a lot more about talking through the Clone Wars as well? Was, oh, absolutely. there uh, any particular mm-hmm. elements of interest to you about, about his character, which perhaps... Um, Made it clear to the audience why he was on the Star Destroyer at the end of Revenge of the Sith.
1: Well, I, I think it, it just goes to show that even that, that Tarkin's relationship with, with Palpatine is something that was built up slowly over time. You know, we see it in the Clone Wars that, you know, uh, Tarkin's talking about how Palpatine already trusts him. And so then, you know, add another 19 years to that. Yeah, of course, of course, Tarkin would be in charge of the Death Star. And, you know, if you and for people have read the Tarkin novel, you know, there's stuff. In that early on where it's, uh, you know, they're talking about how how uh, how Palpatine kind of, he kind of did the same for Tarkin that he did for Anakin where he he really helped him and he was a, he was a mentor to him to the point where, you know, Palpatine told Tarkin his first, his first name. You know, he, he that's something he generally, you know, most people don't know. He, they don't know. They don't know Sheev's first name. <laughs> and uh and and that's something that that Tarkin knew and Tarkin was at the point where he could call him by the first by first name and and so you, 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 there's a lot of parallels there between Tarkin's uh, Tarkin's journey and and Anakin's journey that the the only real difference being the the whole force aspect of it.
0: Mm absolutely and so for me the movie has actually come to an end and i'm, but, I'm getting uh, to i've got not, Baru. not yet for you yeah Baru but, is, uh, is
1: walking up to the to the twin sons and, and obi-wan is turning away i remember having the junior novelization of this film of the of the of revenge of the sith before the movie came out um actually I'll, I'll tell a story about that in just a second but i i remember seeing in the middle of the book they had some some color pictures from the movie and one of them was that of Owen and Baru looking out at the twin suns and the caption was, you know, the galaxy awaits the return of the Jedi. And even then, you know, I sort of thought, oh, that's so cool. It was such a, and I just even thinking about that, that, that line, as you see that, that imagery gives me, uh, gives me goosebumps.
0: Uh, Well, I do love the final scene in this with the twin sunset and Obi-Wan giving Luke away. It kind of speaks to the fact there is a bit of hope at this stage because, I mean, Revenge of the Sith in a way is the culmination of the tragedy of the Clone Wars and everything that we have seen and everything that has happened uh, from the end of Attack of the Clones to the end of Revenge of the Sith. And, uh, I mean, I... I guess, in general, I'll ask this, this perhaps final question from, from me, at least. Uh, I mean, you're Avenger to Sith as a film now. Do you think that it is a better viewing uh, as a consequence of watching The Clone Wars? Do you feel like you learnt a lot more about that film and perhaps it's more emotionally and uh, intellectually impactful on you? Them when you watched a *Revenge of the Sith* in two thousand and five,
1: I don't. It, it, that's interesting. You know, it's always interesting to try and compare. You know, seeing these things before seeing the Clone Wars and and how it changes our perspective. And and to me, I, you know, I know some people like to think of the films as as their own thing and the show as as a separate thing. That that you know, they deal with the same characters, but you know, they they they're, they 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 do kind of keep them separate in their mind. But for me, you know, it it, it is it is one story. It is the story of these characters and, you know, intellectually I can look at the films and and the, and the show and and sort of, and and know the differences and know the, the things that are kind of off, Uh, you, you know, and understand why some things in the, in the show seems so important but they don't get the time they they um they don't get the same amount of time on the series or in the films I should say so like i i understand all that but to me i, I you know i just look at any time we learn something new about these characters it, it it's it's important and impactful and it and it does i i do think it, it it maybe not in a in a conscious way but in a subconscious way changes the way i i view uh, not only Revenge of the Sith, but but all the Star Wars films. You know, every every little bit of Star Wars that we get in, in impacts the way we look at the films, and and impacts the way we look at stuff that's come before it. Uh, and and, uh, and and you know, and I think it's it's at its best when it, it it can make us rethink some things, make us rethink some of the relationships, and uh, you know, not change them outright, but 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 change the dynamic a little bit, make it a, a little bit different, and. and and make it make you look at things differently so yeah i'd I'd say in in sort of a subconscious way i i look at this movie differently uh now having you know seen six seasons a movie a comic book some story reels and and a novel of the clone wars but but how about you do you view it differently
0: absolutely the clone wars has changed I wouldn't say an entire perspective on the film, but it, it it's changed it in a very good way. It has had an impact because The Clone Wars as a TV series is just rich of new content. And you know, we have spent about two hours talking about the film because that's how long the film is. But, I mean, a lot of what we've discussed in this commentary has been about how The Clone Wars has... Impacted on Revenge of the Sith, or or the ties between Revenge of the Sith and the Clone Wars, and I feel as though I've I've got a, a, a richer and a, and, a, and a greater understanding of Revenge of the Sith, uh, particularly with certain lines. I like the way in which certain lines can be reinterpreted. Oh, for um, sure. I mean, for we sure. talked about the whole Anakin. The, my powers have doubled since the last time we've met. Um, the, the Yoda scene with Anakin that we talked about in depth as well, um, uh, as well as the Darth Plague's story with Darth Maul coming back and what and what happened in Mortis um, and, and even the Yoda scene uh, right at the end there with, with Qui-Gon, as we just spoke about. A lot of these lines suddenly could be reinterpreted and it's completely a subjective interpretation mm-hmm. and it's completely up to you, uh, the the individual as to how you would perceive it but I believe that uh, it does add a lot to this great film and uh, I, I, I feel uh, that most fans who have watched The Clone Wars would appreciate Revenge of the Sith a lot more um, and even though Ahsoka's not in this film I think the way in which her character was dealt with in The Clone Wars and from what we've seen in Rebels it's always at the back of your mind, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We talked about it. Where's Rex? What's Ahsoka doing right now? Yeah,
1: and and, and where's more? We can even
0: <laughs> ask that question.
1: Yeah, and 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 I, I kind of like that. You know, our, our 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 friend Chris from Star Wars Under, who I did the Star Wars Underworld podcast with. You know, he 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 has this idea that you know he would much rather, you know, he, he would rather like Revenge of the Sith almost be remade and to include Rex and in Ahsoka. And, and and to me, I I feel like that would be really that would be really strange because it, it would um, you know, it, it be, you you're introducing these two characters that have this big history with uh, with Anakin and, and Ahsoka and, and Anakin and, and Obi Wan and, and if you're not going to include them in um, in a film prior to Revenge of the Sith, it, you know, you can't always uh, you know you have to assume that unfortunately the majority of the audience who of revenge of the Sith is not going to watch the clone wars, which is unfortunate because the clone wars is phenomenal and everybody should watch it and they should bring it back and make season seven and you know, all that stuff. But, you know, and, and so I kind of like the idea that there are some characters who, who were really impactful that we, we'd never actually saw in the films and, and they now exist, uh, you know, in the series and, and then you can do some interesting stuff and, and, and show events from Revenge of the Sith from another perspective. And you can get that perspective of, okay, well, you know, we know how people on Coruscant may have reacted to, to these events, but how do people on Mandalore react? How do people on Tatooine react? How do people on Jakku react? How do people on uh, uh, Naboo react? How do people on, you know, all, any of these planets that we've visited or, are, are how do they react on Raxus, where the Separatists were? You know, I, I I wonder. You know, the the show gives you that opportunity, and and with characters like Rex and Ahsoka, you have the opportunity to see see those events through their through their eyes and and get new perspectives on them and and stuff. So I, I would, I, not that it would ever ever happen, but uh, you know, I I would much rather keep. As much as I love those characters, I would rather keep them to the show because I feel like that opens up so much more uh, potential to see what happens with uh, with these events.
0: Indeed, I agree with that. the The changed perspective is good, um, but you don't need to have it thrown in your face. I mean, it's a nice subtlety. It's, I, I like it as yeah, a subtlety. exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if it's crucial to the storyline of Revenge of the Sith, then it would already be in there. Or um, if you did remake it, then it would have to be done in a way that makes sense. But the central storyline of Revenge of the Sith is around Anakin. And if Ahsoka and Rex aren't there, then what's the point of putting them in? They're, they're going to have very little impact on it. Mm-hmm. Um if you wanted to have that story well i think the idea novel, uh, have a separate one mm-hmm. i know i know you know i'm just kind of using that example if you wanted to remake the film point is we can look at that film from a different perspective without the characters being there mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i and i mean just you know in in um in deference to chris you know his his idea would be to like Completely remake Revenge of the Sith with Rex and Ahsoka being a big part of the story. They wouldn't be sort of off on their own the way they we assume they actually were, given the given the canon of of the story. But you know, I, I like that idea of you know they give us an opportunity to see the perspective and the fact that they aren't there. I think also you know it adds more depth. I think it adds more depth to Anakin's turn to you know for those of us that did watch the series to know. Just how impactful Ahsoka was on him, and and so the fact that she turned, she she walked away from the Jedi Order. You know this this you know person who represented a lot of good to Anakin, who represented good, and 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 and, and to, for her to walk away because of the actions of the Jedi Council, I think it it adds a, another layer to the turn. Um, which which already you know, I I generally I think that the turn is is overall uh, relatively strong. Um there are some aspects of it in in the film where I'm like,' oh well, that's a little bit that, that, that's not that's a little bit odd or a little bit off but but generally, I think the turn is very strong um but i, I do like adding these other layers to it, and that's what that's what uh that's what i like the 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 expanded universe you know the 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 shows and the books and the comics to do is to add new layers to the films uh that we already know and love
0: absolutely.
1: And with that, I think we will wrap things up for this episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. I hope you all enjoyed. Our Revenge of the Sith commentary—that was a lot of fun. I, I, you know, it was something that we we decided to do, and and uh, we haven't really done a commentary before. I think the only other commentary I've done was for the holiday special. So it's not like it, it's not like this was a, you know, a, tr- a tried and true method for us. But I, I think that turned out great. I, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it as as much as uh, as much as I enjoyed uh, recording it. It was it was a lot a lot of fun. I, don't, I almost don't know how to end this one because it's so different. I mean, do we want to do final thoughts and score out of 10 for Revenge of the Sith? I mean, it's it's just, it's so different from uh, from Clone Wars. But you know what? Let's do final thoughts. You don't necessarily have to do score out of 10. So I'll throw that over to you.
0: Well, final thoughts from Revenge of the Sith. I feel like I really enjoyed the discussion uh, about you know, learning uh, and looking at Revenge of the Sith from a Clone Wars perspective, and I don't really think I've actually heard a commentary that has looked at Revenge of the Sith in that way before, Uh, everyone kind of maybe makes a reference here or there to it, Um, but the Clone Wars has changed people's interpretations of Revenge of the Sith, I think in a good way, it kind of expands on storylines, it means that we reinterpret what characters say and what it means. And uh, you know things like Order 66, for example, we've actually got answers to some of those questions. When uh, you know uh, when we left the theaters in 2005, we were there thinking, Ooh, I wonder what, I wonder why the clones turned on the Jedi, or um, uh, you know, what, what Count Dooku and, and, and Anakin Jewels and, and the whole kidnapped Chancellor plot was actually something that had existed long before that. So yeah, I think it was, it has changed it in a good way. So uh, I yeah I, I don't really want to give *Revenge of the Sith* a score out of ten because uh, I, 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 for me it, it was just a great film. But uh, from from what we were looking at, uh, from from the way that we were you know look uh, viewing this particular film, I feel that yes, it was it, it was great to have that added *Clone Wars* dimension, and um, I I look forward to. Hearing more about some of character, some of the other characters' perspectives on the events of Avengers: If that's what I want to see in the future, mm-hmm. um, but we'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, Dominic, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, I, and this, like I said, this was so much fun. It was so it, I really enjoyed looking at this movie uh, through the lens of the series and and how the series impacted it. And you know, obviously, there's a lot of crossover between just talking about the movie and talking about the movie through the lens of the series. Uh, but I, I really did enjoy, you know, yeah, the, the Clone Wars. In a lot of ways, was building up to Revenge of the Sith. It, it, at, at the very least, it was building up to the events that happened around it. And so I, I think it's it, it's really interesting to to look at how Revenge of the Sith uh, works with that. And I I generally think that it feels like a the show feels like a really strong lead into it. And you know, I think had the series been allowed to continue longer than it did. I, I think there would have been a little bit more of a, you know, they, they would have gradually taken it more, or taken it closer to the to the tone of Revenge of the Sith. You know, there's still, because of the gap between the uh, planned ending of the series and the actual ending of the series, there there is a little bit of a tonal shift when you go from the end of the Clone Wars to Revenge of the Sith. But overall, I I, I think they flow together quite nicely, and it was a lot of fun to to look at the two as one instead of uh, instead of separately so that'll do it for this week here on the clone Wars strikes back so we've we've done we've done the clone wars we've done the story reels we've done the comic we've done the novel and we've done revenge of the sith but we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're going to keep the show going. We want to keep it going at least a, a little bit longer. We want to hit episode 50 at the very least. We want to get 50 quality episodes. So we've got some fun ideas for how to do that and, and things we'll be doing over the next, uh, the next few months. Uh, so stay tuned for all of that. We should, well, hopefully we'll have a new episode. As I, and i say this every time hopefully we'll have a new episode out in two weeks time uh as you should know by now if you've been listening to the show since the beginning or even just uh following along at a later date uh th- those that that probably rings pretty hollow I, you know we we make we we like to we would we, 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 we would we like to make the plans and we would much rather stick to them but just sometimes it doesn't work out so uh but we'll we try we will try to have another episode out in uh in two weeks time and to get back on a consistent uh, release schedule as we uh, as we head towards the finish line uh but kieran thank you so much for hosting as always with me for for watching revenge of the sith together i don't think we've ever watched a star wars movie together well the kind of return of the jedi at, at at um at celebration europe but like we i don't think we had actually met yet at that person at that point we hadn't met in person at, at the very least
0: so, no, that's true. We, and in spite of us both being at Anaheim, I don't think we actually watched any movie together no. there either. We, either. Had, yeah. we
1: had grand plans to go see the, the prequel trilogy in uh and 3D, but on Thursday night, we were just too tired. <laughs> we were just too tired. Well, I went to
0: watch Fantasy. Oh, yeah, you went to watch Fantasy. went to go to another event, and then and then to go back. To- Revenge of the Sith was just the queue was yeah. out oh, the door, it was mad. Yeah, the queue um, the, the
1: line for Revenge of the Sith, we uh. Chris and Ben and myself, we just kind of, we got in it and we just sort of thought, well, let's go. Let's, let's try it. And, uh, we managed to get in, we didn't get the best seats, but it was still cool and and, and all that. But yeah, we had that grand plan and it just, just fell through. Maybe, maybe in London, maybe in London, we'll be able to, to see another one.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the eight. That's what we're going to do.
1: But yeah. Do you want to let the people know what's coming up on expression FM this week?
0: Yeah, I mean not too much. It's the uh, the hiatus now. It's the Easter break for about four weeks, so it means Expression are off- offline at the moment, uh, and we're not broadcasting up until the end of April. But we do have big plans coming up, and uh, there was an announcement on uh, during the student radio conference that uh, twelve universities will have the opportunity uh, to have a single slot on BBC Radio 1. So uh, if we apply for that, that, that's Expression FM, um, we're in a very good chance of actually having a show on BBC. So uh, that's pretty exciting news, but uh, we have to wait to find out about that until May, I believe, and the application's going in the next couple of weeks. But apart from that, at the moment, it's going to be pretty quiet here. At least a lot quieter than what your plans are with, of course the Star Wars Underworld. Although... Live from Lothal now. You have got you got you've got your own hiatus, haven't yeah.
1: you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about that, yeah. Uh, yeah live from Lothal, uh, well Star Wars Rebels season two wrapped up and, and we have our episode out covering the um, divisive finale, shall we say. Controversial maybe. Um it features myself, uh, Chris Segal, Benjamin Hart, and our good buddy Steele Saunders from the Steel Wars podcast. He joined us for the finale. We had a lot of fun talking uh, talking Rebels, talking Star Wars. Uh, so they'll, that episode's there. And, and uh, live from Willfeld, not quite on hiatus yet. We'll have a, we'll have an episode or two uh, looking back on the season as a whole. Uh, but also, of course, there's the Star Wars Underworld podcast recorded live each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern on channel 1138.com. We've been uh, we've been continuing the discussion about the Force Awakens. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, we're getting to the point now where we're almost uh, we're almost we're starting to look around, going, huh? What what other topics are there? You know we, we've done all the we've done all the obvious ones, so we're looking for the, the less obvious ones, and and that's that that promises to be a lot of fun. So you definitely want to tune in. Plus, we're talking about all the latest news and rumors and, and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, I also want to point you in the direction of StarWarsUnderworld.com Between shows, that's where you can go for all the latest breaking Star Wars news Including Rebels, Clone Wars, Episode 8, Episode 7, Episode 9, Rogue One, Anthology And so much more And up on StarWarsUnderworld.com right now You can see my review of The Force Awakens on Blu-ray By the When you're hearing this, this should be the day I think Force Awakens comes out on Blu-ray So uh, odds are you'll watch Force Awakens first uh, you'll have probably watched Force awakens by this point and then your next move will have been to go get the Revenge of the Sith blu-ray off the shelf and pl- pop it in while you listen to this as well uh, but if you want to know my thoughts on that you can read it there or if you're still for some reason on the fence about picking up the force awakens on blu-ray uh, you can read my thoughts there and you can also read my thoughts on uh, my, my review of the season two finale of star wars rebels and all episodes of star wars rebels this season if you feel so inclined don't forget to follow the show on social media just look for the clone wars strikes back on facebook if you want to keep a little clone wars in your news feed that is the page to do so uh also follow us on twitter at tcw strikes back i'm at dominic j25 and kieran is at C Duggan 6 that'll do it until next time thank you everybody for listening and may the force be with you It's a wrap. Wrap.